Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 11 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers-Ward, and joining me is Matthew Stogden. Blessed are those with a podcast. If everyone had a podcast, they would have screamed, I didn't want to become human. That's basically what happened during the pandemic, right? Everybody got <laughs> a podcast and then realised they didn't want to become human. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> and speaking of things that don't want to become human, it's Tim Matum. If a sequelizing feat is possible, man will do it. Almost as if it's wired into the core of our being. I mean, yeah. At this point, 11 season in, it's basically wired into our core being. Can't not sequelize a film. You come out of a sequel and the first thing I think is, I better message the boys. Seriously. <laughs> uh, the fir- Every time, as, as we know, Matthew goes to see every film that ever comes out. Yes. All, all the time. As soon as the cinemas were opened again. Matthew was there. Before the cinemas were opened again, I was yes. there. <laughs> Literally during the pandemic, the only person in the room, Matthew Stogden. Safest place to be. It's only me in the room. Yeah, I guess so. And you always like, don't worry, boys. Doesn't need sequelizing. We always get that text <laughs> in the group chat. of just like, actually, yeah. Add it to the, it's added to the list. <laughs> yeah. Or don't worry, boys. They're the two messages that we get. That pretty much is it, yeah. Great sequel to Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> <laughs> That is not a sequel we'd like to see. No, it's a film I'd like to see fixed. Yeah. And speaking of which, we're travelling all the way back to the distant future of 2004 to discuss Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence this week. Mm. Some of you might think, what? I didn't know there's a Ghost in the Shell sequel. Or, oh, that Ghost in the Shell sequel, not the prequel or the TV show or the other one or the, the Ghost in the Shell, the new movie. Or the live-action one, or mm. the incredibly convoluted, nonsense, spatially all unrelated timeline thing that is this franchise. Mm-hmm. But we're here. So this is the sequel to the 1995 classic, Ghost in the Shell, basically considered an anime masterpiece at this it point. It is, yes. Up there with like Akira, essentially, is like one of the most influential mm. pieces of anime cinema. Yes. A real one-two punch from like the early 90s of just like, hey, there's this whole other thing that you aren't watching and let me introduce some... you to Japanimation. <laughs> <laughs> there's some really good shit going on over yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of good shit, we have some fantastic people on patreon.com slash some real good shits. Some real good shits that support us and make this show possible. So thank you, patrons. Thank you for making season eleven how big and bombastic that it is. The interseason that will be coming up sooner than you think. Because we've just been planning it just before we started recording. We were like, true. oh shit, it's in a matter of weeks. I mean, it's always within a matter of weeks, but that's fewer, how fewer weeks than we works. thought. Yeah. That's how linear time works yeah. as well. God damn it, linear time. Imagine a plane that's never allowed to land <laughs> and must constantly refuel. That is sequelizers. Like a, and, like and a bird on, board, on the wing. There's Nicolas Cage and he's got a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a majestic head of hair. Yeah. Also Steve Buscemi for some reason. Yep. And they won't stop badgering us for peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people that we badger for peanuts are the patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers. And if you go there, you can get ad-free access to all these episodes, early access to the episodes. You can also get access to all the bonus content that we do, which has recorded some real bullshit outtakes <laughs> where the phrase, let's go horse, became a thing. <laughs> let's go horse. So if that's reference, that's a reference to the outtakes. We will probably bring it up because we were discussing beforehand if the episodes had like subtitles, you know how some podcasts like our pals over at Modern Escapism and those other kind of like broader topic kind of podcasts. Yes. 
you get to take a quote from that episode and turn it into a title. Mm. Let's Go Horse would absolutely be the episode of this. <laughs> would be the title of this episode. But unfortunately... James Gandolfini is a tank might be a pretty Touche. Touche. That's another good It's absolutely Let's Go Horse, but that, 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 that's a contender. Let's Go Horse, Carolyn James Gandolfini is a tank. <laughs> That's our title of our next light novel. Yes, that, I hope that's really wet the appetite of people who are like, <laughs> exactly, what, what? can't wait for the outtakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. If you go and support us, like I said, at the ten pound tier or higher, you get access to all the bonus content. We've got three movie commentaries this season. We'll have three bonus, entire bonus interseason episodes coming up in the interseason as well. And you'll get access to the library of all the back content. It's a lot of stuff. We've already done movie commentaries last season. We've got bonus episodes coming at your ass, And there's lots of stuff. It's well worth the bang for your buck, if I do say so myself. If you go higher up, you can also get exclusive merch and discounts on merch and things like that as well. The patron-exclusive t-shirts are literally with the printers as we speak right now. They will be with you soon, patrons. I've just got, I think, one more size to confirm, and then we are ready to go and i will basically tell the printers to print and it will go ahead and our, our pals Ooh. over at vino sangre will hit the big green button there's a little hint for you the big green button and it will all get printed and ready and ready to post out to you lovely people who support us on patreon if you go up to the next tier you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done allow me to introduce you this is the handiwork of the Puppet Master, infamous as the most extraordinary hacker in the history of cybercrime. Huh? Josh found us loose. At any rate, any program has its bugs, and I would think that a man of your capability could cure our problem. You don't understand. We aren't even sure that Project 2501 really is a bug. Hyper Dude Man. Tokasa, if you're still alive, get off your ass and arrest those garbage men. Marcus Lindstrom. As a sentient life form, I hereby demand political asylum. Is this a joke? Ridiculous! It's programmed for self-preservation! Stuart Maine. And just what are you gonna talk about? You don't even know your own name, you stupid dickhead! Philip Morgan. I'm surprised you can hear anything. What's with all the noise in your brain today? Must be a loose wire. James McDowell. She's my beautiful, precious angel. See? Get away, I'm not interested in crap like that. David Selinger. I am a living, thinking entity who was created in the sea of information. Ah. And our eighth and latest executive producer. Goddamn. Welcome to the crew, Canis Rufus. Ghost hacked humans are so pathetic, it's a shame. And this poor bastard's been hacked pretty badly. Woo! Woo woo! Ghost in here? <laughs> ghost, ghost, stand a wolf in a shell, perhaps. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there are two wolf wolves inside in a of shell, <laughs> like a pantomime horse of wolves. <gasps> Make them joust. <laughs> and if you go up to the highest tier on our Patreon, those are the VIPs. The VIPs for this week are Jonathan Firth Clark. Xenos. And Josh Miles.
And first of all, thank you very much for supporting us, executive producers and VIPs. Ta! You are game changers when it comes to sequelizers. You make this entire thing possible. But we've been hinting it, we've been teasing. Oh. Coming up in the not too distant future of 2004. The not-too-distant future of 2029, the, the first Ghost in the Shell. No, in the not-too-distant future of next season, mm. we will in fact have five VIP slots available, ladies God and gentlemen. damn. Yeah, yeah. They'll be opening up very soon. We'll make an official announcement when that will actually go live, so you can all fight over slots and things like that. I know a few people have already shown interest, which is very exciting for mm-hmm. us as well. Mm-hmm. So when it comes up to... The upcoming end of season. Mm. We should and say season f- 12. Five VIPs in total. In they're, total, yes. We're not adding five more. Yes. yes. And you can still become an EP and support the show. You can still support us for a pound. There's all kinds yeah. of levels of LT, all kinds of rewards. It's just people have been kicking the door down to get through. And we're like, well, for some there are reason, ways we can do this. For some reason, pay, people want to pay us even more money. So we're like, yes, please. Yeah. They want to get a shout out. They want to get their faces digitally constructed into a shell, if you will. Put, get their ghosts in their shells. Oh in the way that only John Scarrett can and get their little avatars created for the Discord and all your social media needs and all that kind of stuff. So yes, we will have more slots available coming up. We will, like I said, teasing all this kind of stuff. It's not official yet. Don't go to Patreon just yet if you do want to do that. We will officially announce it soon when it's launched and when it's ready. We'll be doing a few little tweaks and changes coming up. Got live streams coming up very soon as well. So yeah, a few exciting things coming up in the Sequelizers canon. Yeah, keep your eye on our social media. That's Indeed, what yeah, yeah. It will all get announced officially on social media in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, gents, yeah, shall we talk about some ghosts and some shells? We probably yeah. should, right? I'll kick things off. Go ahead. Because had an interesting journey with this franchise. As we oh. always do, we talk about our history with the franchise. Before we get into the synopses, before we get into actually fixing the film in the second half, I watched Ghost in the Shell when I was far, far too young. <laughs> And I had not a fucking clue what was going on, except cool explodey bits, some naked ladies and some shooting. Sounds good to young Jack. Amazing. Saturday afternoon soul. Yeah, I think I must have been about, I don't know if I was even a teenager, like I was 12, maybe 13, something like that. And saw it on TV at some point, probably some late night Channel 4 thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Enjoyed it for all the wrong reasons, basically. Did not pick up on any of the interesting philosophical stuff and the, you know, all that kind of existential stuff that you know I love in my sci-fi these days. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the seed that was planted in Young Jack that led towards my love of things like Ex Machina and Would make a lot of sense. You can draw a pretty straight line from from one to the other. Very much so. And I've dipped my toe in and out of the rest of the franchise over the last decade or so, couple of decades. And have but you have only just seen the second film, the one we're actually going to be fixing earlier today. That's so I'd, I'd seen some of Standalone Complex, which is one of the TV shows. I've seen the latest TV show, the SAC something numbers 2045. 20, yeah. 2045, yeah. Um, and a couple other bits of music. I've not seen, I think it's called The New Movie, which was the 2012 the sequel one? to Arise. Yes, the sequel to Arise. Mm-hmm. It's complicated, convoluted timeline. Welcome to anime. Um, and I have it's seen... Like, it's like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. in here all over <laughs> Kind of, yeah. 
And then I have seen, but did not see in the cinema, the live action Scarlett Hansen one from what, five years ago at this point. 2017, yeah. Yeah, 2017. So I've seen a fair chunk of Ghost in the Shell That's stuff. That's a lot of franchise investment. Through, throughout the years, I've dipped my toes in and out and missed certain things and watched certain things and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's been a weird journey for me. Revisiting the first film for, like I said, probably the first time in over 10 years earlier this week and then watching the second one for the first time ever earlier today was a very very weird experience being like oh yeah ghost in the shell that's a thing and that's a thing and that's different why are they oh yeah is that they're all kind of standalone and some of them are sort of sequels to other ones and welcome to anime basically but yeah i'm a long-term fan of the series a, a more casual fan I, like i said i've not seen absolutely everything my i don't have like encyclopedic knowledge or anything like that but I consider myself a Ghost in the Shell fan. How about you, Tim? So, you're, you're the least of anime of the three of us. Very much so. So I got ready to, to rewatch, and I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen Ghost in the Shell since I was about 18 or 19. Nice. I was like, oh, this, this will be interesting. And I started watching it, and I was like, hmm, I remember, some, I remember it being a bit different to this. <laughs> and then I kept watching, and I was like, I haven't seen this. It turns out oh, what? what I had seen was three or four episodes of Standalone yeah. Complex. Oh, oh shit. Nice. But I had never actually seen the original. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so amazing. I watched it for the first time uh, a few days ago, and then I watched Innocence earlier today. Fantastic. Just like Jack. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm relatively, uh, I, like I say, I had watched, I think, about three or four episodes of Standalone Complex although I can barely remember them, mm. um, when I was about 18 or 19. Uh, and just assumed, ghost in the shell, ghost in the shell, bleh, listen, long enough ago that it's all the same thing, right? I may have been in a slightly altered state of mind <laughs> when I was watching them. It so. could have also been that it was showing on Cartoon Network at the time. They could have been doing two or three episodes in one go. No, because I, I, I think I would have been watching the DVDs oh, around, someone's, high, then. Fuck that. around someone's house. Um <laughs> Yes. So, uh, so yeah, I was kind of, uh, it was a very unique because I went in thinking, but mm. I knew what was, what I had was vague that? memories of what was going on. And I was like, when are they getting around to the, the, the laughing man? <laughs> it's like, oh, he's not in this. Uh, interesting. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was interesting what coming to it with awareness of what had what the bits that I did know, yeah. the bits that I've picked up over the years, you know, just from seeing stuff. The cultural footprint is huge. Yes, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen the Scarlett Johansson version. Mm -hmm. uh, I did watch a few videos about it in preparation for this, just kind of from being interested and being like... Familiarise yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just having... Once I had actually watched Ghost in the Shell for the first time, being like wow, I bet Hollywood fucking ruined this. <laughs> uh, so I was quite interested to read in quite how they fucked it up. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's my experience with the franchise. Like, like Jack said, I'm the least anime literate of the three of us. So uh, it kind of makes sense that it somehow slipped me by. Mm. Matt, I'm guessing you're pretty much exactly like me. Maybe this was the first time you seeing it as well yeah i'd never seen it before um <laughs> <laughs> don't be stupid <laughs> no um ghost in the shell along with akira and with the angel's egg um 
I've mentioned this on the show probably a few times, um, talking about, you know, music and films and talking about like people, I'd, characters I'd have in certain situations. I use uh, Kusanagi, for example. Basically, Ghost in the Shell and Akira was a lot of people's introductions who are my age to anime. Mm. So Tim and I are very similar aged. And it's what you had available. And I had it on VHS, uh, along with other things. And then uh, from that point onward, I started absorbing things as and when they came out. So yeah. Ghost in the Shell came out when I was 11. I saw it when I was 12 um, on video. Then when I was, I want to say, 15 or 16, I read the manga. I don't think I read a print of it. I don't think Viz had it out in Britain at this point. I think I read a digital copy with a fan translation. Mm-hmm. I got the thing later. Um, then I was watching Standalone Complex as and when that came out. And I then watched uh, Innocence, which was known as Just as Innocence in Japan because mm-hmm. they were sort of distancing themselves for some weird reason. And I don't get that, but there we go. Then I watched Ghost in the Shell 2.0 and own it. Um, it's a frustrating movie. For those who don't know, Ghost in the Shell 2.0 is basically Ghost in the Shell, but they've updated the CGI to 2008 standards. And it's like, <laughs> nope, mistake. Then, uh, yeah, the Arise stuff and the new movie that came out of that, I all found very enjoying. Oh, st- uh, the standalone complex um, uh, social security state thingy. That was an interesting little film came out of the back end of standalone complex. The Scarlett Johansson film, as it will ever be forever be known, goddamn beautiful. A really aesthetically pleasing movie. And it is literally fine. <laughs> I was on a flight to Japan with a friend of mine named Ben from the Super 8-Bit Power Hour. And he was watching because it was on the place. Oh, watch it fine. And he stopped and he said, it's frustratingly okay. I said, I know, right? Mm-hmm. It's not hideously offensive car crash that makes you really angry. It's not really good. It doesn't honor the, the, the original source material. It's just there. Mm. And eh. it's an, mostly an adaptation of a different like arc in the manga yeah. fused with some of the bits yeah, from the original. This is something frustrating with this thing because ultimately every version of, of as Jack said earlier, every version is kind of its own thing. Yes. Mm. Every version of it is a different kind, vibe. All kind of their own timelines and stuff. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think as long as you don't watch the live action one first. Correct. I think you can watch it as part of an overall like franchise experience. I own it. I think it's eh. I think it's fine. It's like yeah, yeah. Just completely but, unneeded. I think yeah, the, the the, entirely, entirely. The, the issue with it is it takes so much and this is to its credit and to its detriment, it shot for shot remakes some of the most impressive stuff from yeah. both, interestingly, the nineteen ninety five original and Innocence and a few other bits and pieces throughout mm. the franchise as well. Adds so little though to them. It it adds absolutely nothing is the yeah. problem. Mm. And it very much leans on in a similar way that we've seen with other live action anime stuff, whether that's like Full Metal Alchemist stuff mm-hmm. or Death Note or mm. Elite Battle Angel that was fairly recently as well. Mm-hmm. Like it will take shot for shot moments. You'll be like, oh, that's really cool how they did that. Doesn't do anything though. And it's yeah. more impressive when they did it in 1995. Like, yeah. The, obviously, the famous shot of her like diving through the city and all that mm. kind of stuff. The mm. what's up danger moment for one of better friends, <laughs> <laughs> basically, to, to make a Spider Verse reference. Yeah. But I feel like if you watch that first, the live action version that is, it kind of spoils some of the visuals of how incredible they are in the anime. True. Mm. So once you've kind of got your feet under you in the franchise, you can then go and appreciate the live action for what it is. It's which like is, which cover is of fine. your favorite song. You don't yeah. hear the cover first. Don't hear the cover first. Hear the original so you mm. can yes. understand the context that the cover was built upon and all that mm. kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, cool. That's a, that's a, you could, if you watch the Ghost in the Shell movie just 
completely blind, you'd be like, oh, wow, that is really cool. That's so much CGI. That's really impressive how they did that. And then you go and watch the 95 version, you'd be like, yeah, but that's that literally shot for shot. And mm. that bit's that bit. And that look actually looked better in 95. because Yeah, uh, the, the bits that I saw about it were interesting because they were showing they were showing like here's some shot for shot stuff but almost like uh the 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 way that they've translated it shows a misunderstanding of the original um like the very yeah iconic shot of the major waking up on her in her bed and you have the the window out into the city which yes. sort of weirdly has a name doesn't have a name sometimes newport city um where it's almost like a frame within a frame, and then they recreate that in the live-action version, but they make, rather than having it be really bright outside and the rest of the room in darkness, yeah. it's all pretty much dark, they except, the, the, except the bed is lit up, and yeah. so the bed is the thing that your eye is drawn to, and then it's like, wait, hang on, what am I meant to yeah. be looking at here? It's supposed to be the harsh light of day, and the fact that the major being a sort of living doll doesn't blink. Mm. So she goes, mm, close her eye for a minute. And like, mm. it's almost like an, an, an instinctual reaction muscle. There's all these visual complexities yeah. that this, the film, the live action film just goes, oh, look, I framed it the same way. In the same way that Snyder's Watchmen does the same thing. You think, mm. you kind of got it, but not really. But you've, but you've also made the, the Night Owl and Silk Spectre badass, <laughs> badass. ninjas, which yeah. is They're completely... Not pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Beside, yeah, and it was stuff like how all of the city stuff in the original Ghost in the Shell is done from a people's point of view. When mm. when you have that, like, what is it, like six or seven minute segment that's just kind of... Beautiful shots. The, his the stuff the city, yeah, in the city, yeah, yeah. it's all done from perspectives that humans could be, like either you're down on the street level or you're looking down from a tall, tall building kind of stuff. And the the live action version does lots of like digital camera swooping through the city and it's very impressive and the CGI is good and it's... There's some interesting world building going on there, but because it is that you you're like a you know a CGI or you're a drone zooming through the city, you're not connecting to it in the same way. Yeah, um, it doesn't have that lived experience of a haunting emptiness despite being bustling and full. Yes. Uh, by the way, this is this is what inadvertently what we're doing here is describing the virtues of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> final thing to tell off there was there's a recent Netflix series as is known, which is uh, SAC or Silent Complex 2045. It's frustrating because the story in the second season is actually quite interesting and very Ghost in the Shell, but the animation, fuck me. Yeah. It's so hard to get past that fucking mocap 3D doll cell shaded stuff. I know it's for some people, but like, you make me so angry. It, it pleases nobody, basically, but that's the lowest point in the franchise in theory. Anyway, it's an influential huge thing because after mm. the release of Akira and it's slowly spreading around the world, um, Ghost in the Shell was the first big anime production that was intentionally funded by British, American, and Japanese money, mm. cost a small fucking fortune, was then released in Britain, Japan, and America simultaneously. Something that hadn't mm. been done before. Like, we're going to push this. This is going to go worldwide. This is going to be a big thing. Um, then it found its audience on VHS and things like that. Um, the Wachowskis found it and then sent a copy to Joel Silver, said, as part of the pitch for The Matrix, saying, we want to do this, but live action. Yeah. Um, that, that's the thing is... is... Uh, another thing that I was kind of a uh, video I was watching was like, it's tricky going back to it now. Mm. And definitely as someone who was sort of watching it for the first time, uh, it's, it's so influential that when you go back, some of it feels a little bit like old hat and tropey yep. yeah. just because it's being copied so much. Which we come across when we talk about films from the 60s, 70s, 50s. Yeah. Like, 
ah, it's a bit cliche. It's like this invented the cliche. Exactly. This is this made yeah. those shots real. Like we'd never thought to see that before. Yeah. That kind of thing. You're absolutely right. And what's weird about it is the culture of footprint has been huge. And everyone was the first film. Everything else that came afterwards has a very strong strain of followers. Yeah. Mm. Um, but there's never anything that's been the height of Ghost in the Shell. It's always spoke with reverence by people, mm. but every time you try and get off the ground again, it's always like, eh, there's always yeah. something. Although I would say, uh, personal opinion, Standalone Complex, as someone who's read the, the, the manga and stuff, Standalone Complex is the best hybrid version of all of it. I agree. Because yeah. the original um, uh, the original manga is kind of um, tonally different. And Mamoru Oshii bringing in his own style for the directing made it darker, more grounded, made uh, Kusanagi much more androgynous and doll-like, etc., etc. All, all these bits and pieces, mm. putting the biblical stuff, because that wasn't in the original, in, in Shiro's work, in, in the original. But Standalone Complex has a combination of all of it, and a bit of goofiness, and talking little tanks. Mm. I'm like, yes! <laughs> yeah, it's, I find it fascinating. We, we talk about this so much, about how creators and especially when it comes to adaptations how much influence the creator can have the whether that's the director or the writer yeah. or whoever it is, or the mm. showrunner in Richard tv Donner cases on superman exactly mm. yeah they have such a oh that is donna's version of superman you have mm. that moment like, oh this is so clearly as much as i hate to say it like Zack snyder's version of superman mm. or whatever it is and what has an impact on the exactly yeah. yeah comparing donna's superman to snyder's superman he is the same character influenced by the same comics essentially granted decades apart but like the influence of the creators and the people involved makes such a huge difference and i can't think of many other things where like oshi continued doing his ghost in the shell and basically told masamune shiro the original creator of the mangaka who created it to fuck off and like yeah do his own thing and they had a massive falling out and you're totally right matt that shiro stuff gets way more like levity to it and and oh, yeah. Oshi takes it very deadly seriously a lot of the time. And you get like the occasional one-liner and stuff, but basically no one laughs in an actual human way unless they're <laughs> uncomfortably laughing as a creepy robot Yeah, in the first movie. Everyone is super serious all the time. It's very like... Blade Runner. It's Blade Runner, exactly. Everyone is super quiet and like, I can't believe we even exist. What are we even doing here mm. all the time? And it's this super like... Ex saturated with existentialism. Yeah. Like, we if, get it. Everyone's we get very it. read up on their French philosophers. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. 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 Whereas the, the manga and stuff, and like I said, I've dipped my toes in here and there and all that kind of stuff. Suddenly it's just like, and here's a bikini issue. And you're like, sorry, what? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, we're just going to have a lesbian threesome now. Someone's hacked my memories. Oh no, now I'm fucking these ladies. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to manga, everybody. Yep. And it's this weird thing where. There's almost those two different things, and igno even ignoring, like we said, the three or four different other versions, just the fact that Oshi had this driving, like, this is my version of Ghost in the Shell, fuck the original kind of thing. And that continues into the second movie, as, mm. as much as it does, as derided as it is in some cases. Some people love it, some people don't. We'll get into that. But I find it fascinating how different those seemingly parallel things are, yet how completely separate in tone and approach and you would think the kind of general themes of what it means to be human and all the usual kind of cyberpunky, robotic-y kind of stuff. Mm. Something we've talked about in our Robots in Movies episode, we mm. talked about in our AI episode, yeah. things we've covered a few times before. 
but these two things have such a different... Short circuit episode. <laughs> short circuit episode, exactly, yeah. Those fucking cretins from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> the things we've covered so many times before come up again and again and again because it's such a key part of that kind of sci-fi, right? That kind of philosophical, existential, all this kind of stuff. But I find it so interesting how influential Oshi was and how... Granted, it took him like 10 years to make the second movie, but yeah, the fact that he went off and did other things, obviously most known previously before this for Pat Labor, Pat Labor, however you want to pronounce it. Um, another anime that is weird and full of robots. It's police, isn't it? <laughs> it's police and full of robots. Basically, Ghost in the Shell. I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I have watched, uh, I think, a handful of episodes, funnily enough, with the aforementioned Ben Allen from oh, yeah. <laughs> 8-Bit Power Hour. <laughs> Pat Labor, the movie, is very, very good. Yeah. Because it, it feels good. very, uh, again, grounded and yeah, serious. And, yeah, yeah. And Pat Labor, the series, very funny. Mad bullshit. Yeah, falling over each other, yeah. yeah. And I find that the balance there in anime so interesting because I feel it is almost like two sides of the same coin. And I'm sure you can speak to this even more than I can, Matt. But Mm -hmm. like comedic anime is often is so over the top and slapsticky and mad bullshit all the time. Gintama jumps to mind. Gintama, perfect example. I find it exhausting sometimes. Yes. And then on the other side of it, you get the shit that takes itself very seriously and is like, no, we have things to say. This is... Gintama comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is important philosophical questions that we're asking the big questions. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to find answers, but we're going to we're gonna talk about Satoshi the big Khan things. Satoshi Kon comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And re-watching both of these films and having recently watched something like Evangelion oh, and God, being yeah. like... God, there's a lot of Bible references. Jesus Christ. They're just fucking quoting Bible verses at each other. Hello, Evangelion. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I find this so interesting. I find it so fascinating. Which is nothing from Shiro's side. That's all Oshi. Exactly. That's all Oshi stuff. There is essentially none of the like super deep philosophical stuff that is so... It doesn't hammer you over the head with it as much as it is like, it's a fun robot romp with cops and stuff. Is she human? I don't know. Let's have sex. You're like, hold on, what? Yeah. Okay, this the is... manga is much more concerned with the technology and yeah. the ramifications of it, and the films are concerned with the soul and ramifications of that. Yeah, I think there are definitely moments when, when it gets particularly heavy-handed with the religious stuff because I think I think the discussion of like the nature of consciousness and the soul and stuff that is a natural fit. Mm-hmm. But to me, when it starts going when they start literally like quoting scripture and stuff like that in a very heavy way uh yeah yeah it it gets it feels a little clunky of of trying to uh leverage that in at least because it i think because it feels it feels a little bit um not quite in the way of evangelion where the creator was like i don't know anything about christianity but this is some cool words and imagery there's a bunch Uh, of crosses and angels and stuff but like it doesn't (laughs) and you could make arguments for this being in the case of like the philosophy as well given that they can all just quote fucking whoever they like yeah like there are parts of it where i'm like does this fit the character for them to be saying this and to know all of these thinkers and people that they're, you know, quoting from. I'm just a regular beat cop. Yeah, I'm just a regular beat cop. Quoting Descartes. Quoting, uh, quoting Mabodria. Sure. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, so I think 
there's certain topics that are naturally going to come up when you're dealing with stuff like you know this 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 idea of like the 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 body mind dualism the you know the nature of identity and of consciousness and stuff like that and the the replicability of the soul and things like that but i i think there are there are definitely moments when certain parts of it feel a little just a little clunky and i think in 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 the same way that sometimes the matrix rev um reloaded fell into that you know the first it. the first matrix integrates the philosophy so well and so naturally mm-hmm. and then and then you it, it reloaded and and sometimes <laughs> in ghost in the shell you're just like you can tell they're like but we did the reading we want to like and it's like it's great yeah. that let, you want to let us literally read these books yeah, at you. yeah. it's yeah. like it's great that you want to have this discussion and stuff but like incorporate it better incorporate it better into the the because because the thing is is that it could be done it's so almost there it's yes, so yes. it's so it, the, the 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 subject matter is so perfect for it do mm. you just like just finesse it a little bit weirdly enough because this does, speaks again to cultural things. By going down that road, it kind of sealed the fate for the movie. Because Ghost in the Shell, kind of the whole thing, a little less standalone complex, because that's a police procedural. It's easier to advertise, mm. easier to sell. But the franchise, especially the first film, didn't hit in Japan in the way everyone thought it was going to. Britain and America ate, well, Europe mm. ate that shit up. Yeah. Japan bounced off it a little bit because the internet wasn't what it is now yeah in britain and america the internet was getting big fast and we were all like oh god oh god oh god mm. but japan being 20 years ahead 20 years behind at the same time just for a bit of context here uh when i went to japan in 2017 wi-fi is a difficult thing to find and you're mm. like what the fuck you're a technologically advanced country it's like mm. are we um also mm. fucking cash points close at 9 p.m it's like yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> um up until before the pandemic not only was uh contactless not a thing Chip and pin wasn't a thing. Mm. Look at you, America, as well. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> here's a little book. What did we do that? Put your card in it. Not take my fucking card away. Are you <laughs> out of your mind? Um, anyway, so um, it didn't hit in Japan or so because again, it was the idea of like imagine this collective culture. We'd have all this identity issues and everything spread and connected. And it's like, well, we are in a collectivist culture, mm. and the internet isn't what it could be, and the fears of it aren't there yet. It's like, oh, so it was just a cool action film. It mm. wasn't until the that's why, again, when you get out of the 90s into like the 2000s and stuff with the sequel and the series, it's like, oh, yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> oh, computers and things. It hits in a different way, basically, for that audience. Mm. Uh, and again, because the funding is coming from three predominant places mm. and it's making money and has made a lot of money mm. and has become the sort of spearhead and forefront. It became, I think, one of the highest grossing um, animated films of the time, anime mm. especially. And there's a handful of films that have really made I think really only five films, and there's going to be a point of contention, but fuck it. Five anime movies that have really changed everything for anime. The first is Akira. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going, oh, what about Toshiro? No. Um, <laughs> the first is Akira. Second is Ghost in the Shell. Third is Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Then you take a huge leap of like, just a, a fuck ton of series and stuff and yeah. things. And oh my God. Then you get to your name being in one of the highest grossing things of all time, blah, blah, blah. And then Mugen Train. As weird as that sounds, it's like mm. people are now watching a film that's a sequel to a TV series, which becomes one of the highest grossing films of the year around the world because yep. of stuff opening. So anyway, what I'm trying to get to with that is the film itself, a little divisive in places. Yeah. And also, Tim's absolutely right with the clunkiness because without sounding high horsey, 
Um, or, let's, or let's go horse, if you will. <laughs> um, especially not, you know, as a British person who's like, we, we always steal everyone else's culture. Um, but Ghost in the Shell, very much like, it's just a typical thing. Oh, we, we'll quote a lot of Bible stuff. I was like, are there like, like less than 2% people Catholic and Christian in your country? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we like the things. It's yeah. Like, Sure. Yeah. Um, we like how it sounds old and looks cool. And, mm. You know, symbolic. Like, you know, this thing. It's like, that's from the Kabbalah. Yes. Same thing, isn't it? I mean, no. <laughs> but angels. It's like, yes, I guess. <laughs> We're going to have the devil working in a McDonald's. Is that okay? I feel like it's somehow inappropriate, but it is very sweet. So, yes, I like that show. <laughs> um, but that's the point. It's like, like we're just going to harvest this because it's cool. We're mm. going to take that. Um, and obviously, philosophy is not limited to fucking one area. Philosophy is no. philosophy. Deep thinking is deep thinking. Um, and technological advancement is that thing. But when you adapt it in a way that incorporates other things like that, you get to this very strange headspace, especially as at the time in the 80s when the comic was coming out, the manga, I should say, um, Japan was in a very strange militaristic place. Um, it didn't want a military at that point, but it was building towards the idea of it might think like it wanted one. Mm. That's why you think, see things like, um, uh, weirdly enough, with Gundam, on the rise so it's like well we can't really have an army so why don't we have tons of things focusing on the police yeah so you get dominion tanked police pat mm. labor uh, ghost in the shell and it's mm. all what about really heavily armored mechanized police services because yeah. like, that's the closest we have whereas the police in japan are actually quite oh there's a lost child or there's a fucking cat in a tree kind of yeah. thing um but that being said very deep films incredible visuals because mm. they're pouring all the money into it yeah should and we... and and mm. you know, I, I've sort of said you know all those bits that are clunky. On the whole, like it integrates its themes so well, and it, and mm. it, and it, and it's not you know I I was <laughs> reading some interesting like commentary on on kind of elevated horror the other day. Mm. Oh yeah. Um. And did you see John Carpenter's? Oh, <laughs> he's, he's done some great. I think it was an AV Club interview yep, where he's just talking about playing Fallout and yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But basically the idea that like there's in kind of elevated horror nowadays, there tends to be a central metaphor that they hit quite hard mm-hmm. and, and, and it can be very well done and very well integrated, but it tends to have that one idea. At the expense that, of the narrative usually. Uh, to, to a certain degree, yeah. Mm. Um, whereas previously in very good you know, obviously, there's a lot of trash horror out there. What? Uh, <laughs> Surely not. Tim. People, people will not be surprised. Previously, in in good horror, you would often have the the central. There wasn't a central metaphor necessarily, and so it didn't hit that thing quite as hard. So people might not like pick up on it, but there would be more other themes that could be explored. Yeah. There would be there would be like, oh, okay, yeah, it could be you know this thing about you know we just talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like. There's an t- extent to which that's about, you know, the youth versus the kind of traditional rural family kind of thing. There's also the whole vegetarianism, meat, uh, yeah, industrial yeah. side of yeah. it. You know, th- there's other interesting things going on there that you can pull out of it. Whereas modern horror, when it's not done v- particularly well, has one idea that is that runs through the whole thing and is very well thought through, mm. but there's not other ideas that are off to the side that you can also pull out ghost in the shell to get back to to what we're talking about has a bunch of ideas in it there is there is a a central idea that is very compelling but because it is throwing out all these ideas about technology 
there's so much else also going on in there. It feels, the world of it feels so huge and mm. there feels like so much to get to grips with that it mm -hmm. just, it, you know, I think it, it throws you in at the deep end and it doesn't bother to slow down. And like, there is none of this like, here's what a ghost means. Here's what a shell means. <laughs> it is just like, you'll pick up on it. Yeah. And, you know, we are going to throw these ideas at you, you know, pretty quickly of like, you know, oh yeah, well, here's these these people and they're, you know, these garbage men, they're having a discussion uh, and then it's going to turn out one of them's had their memories completely hacked. And like, it's like, oh wow, that's a, like, that could sustain a whole is, film yeah. by itself. Yep. Like the memory hacking thing without then going into the like, oh, and here's a sentient AI and here's, you know, here's like lots of themes about, you know, the, 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 the physical, the body side of it, the cyber augmentation, you know, ship of theseus but it's your body you yeah. know when does it yeah. stop yeah, yeah, being yeah. you kind of stuff there's so much richness in there to get to grips with absolutely i think the world building of the first one very much me coming back to it for the first time really as an adult and having experienced so much other media like we said that has been influenced by ghost in the shell since coming back to that first one in particular the world building is so spectacular and brilliant and I can't believe how much it fits into 82 minutes of yeah. movie. Yeah. It blows my mind <laughs> that there are entire sections of the film that are just silent, no dialogue, but yeah. cool soundtrack stuff mm. happening in the background. And it's just shots of stuff happening in the city for a mm. bit. There is so much of that in this film that if you cut that out, it'd probably be like a 70-minute movie, maybe even less. Yeah, And they fit so much plot and other stuff. There's, and there's a whole bunch building. of like political stuff yep. where it's like the different uh the elements chief. of the japanese government yep. going against each other and there's defections going on to other countries and you know killing people killing programmers to retain you yep. know rights yeah. on stuff and it's like man they yeah it goes balls to the wall straight away if you want more of that the tv shows do a good job i think you'd agree right man it's like Absolutely. standalone complex Absolutely. does a brilliant job mm. of giving itself enough time to really explore that world and, and, and yes. pull in different directions and, and stuff. I, I think it, it demonstrates how influential it is that you could probably go through the, the, the you know, what is it, 25 years it's been since then, coming up on 30. Jesus. And pick out films where it's just taken yes. one of the ideas from yeah, Ghost yeah, in the yeah. Shell and gone, we'll make a whole film about that. Uh, I'll give you two right off the fucking bat. Yeah. Steven Spielberg saw it and said it was one of the most interesting stories he'd ever seen and then started working on two films, AI and Minority Report. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, just to talk about some other things. Um, to me, Ghost in the Shell is one of the prime examples. I don't know a lot of people who haven't, who've said, I feel like I need to watch that again. Yeah. yeah. To really pick up on what the fuck everyone's yeah. saying. And the other thing is that um, that being thrown into the deep end is very much an intentional thing because in the manga, um, Shiro had all this stuff in here yep. with text explainer boxes, like footnotes that were like a paragraph mm. explaining this is what this is, this is what mm. that means. This is what it, you know. It's, it's what do a, we mean by this thing? Is yeah. this thing and this thing and this thing? It's like a glossary in every fantasy or science fiction novel, and you're like, oh, okay, mm. this is this process. But the film is like, you'll pick it up because yeah. they're talking about it. And you're like, I will, but only if I'm paying all of the attention. Mm. Yeah, I think we've gotten to that point in a lot of fiction now where you get that thrown in the deep end and if you can pull off the characters and the world building well enough, people will still enjoy it. And 
like even completely unrelated things, things like the wire, I think a lot of people struggle with because there is no explanation of all the Baltimore slang mm. and you know the the African American slang that's being mm. used around in the projects and stuff. Yeah, you have no idea what the fuck anyone is talking about for the first like two or three episodes. And by the fourth one, you're like, I understand every phrase. That's because that's Baltimore how you slang. get into a real culture. That's how you actually absorb people. No one exactly. tells... No, when we talk it to each other, if this is your first episode of Sequelizers, yeah. there'll be things that we're saying that are like, I don't get it. Not because it's Ghost in the Shell, but it's like, what's a Patreon? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there, who, there's in-jokes and references and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I love it when things do that and just throw you into it. And like, I think that's why the big difference between, again, coming back to Blade Runner, we will get to the synopsis soon, I promise. Uh, coming back to Blade Runner as another kind of pillar of the cyberpunky noir kind of thing is the narrated version versus the non-narrated version. Oh, yeah. Where essentially Harrison Ford is reading those cliff notes that are in the manga, the equivalent of being like, see you in Los Angeles when there's a... <laughs> you go to a noodle bar, you get they some noodles. They call them noodle. replicants. They call them <laughs> replicants. They're basically walking... And talking machines. We're like, we know, Harrison. <laughs> you don't need to. I know it's not yeah. his fault. It's kind of his fault. It's kind not of his fault. fault. But the joy of just having one of the other cuts, whether that's the final cut or the director's cut, whatever it is, without that narration and very much what you get here in Ghost of the Shell is just like, it's a world full of robots. And we, you get those little extra bits in Blade Runner as well. Like, oh, hold on, there's off-world colonies? Humans aren't just on Earth anymore? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Like, oh yeah, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Glistening sea beams off the yeah. Tannhauser Gate. You're like, what the fuck does any of this mean? <laughs> like, Roy Batty, just saying stuff. Rutger Howard, just saying stuff. I've just making stuff people up. People wouldn't believe. Exactly. <laughs> Paddington 3. Like, what? <laughs> That's not possible. And it's those little bits that keep me engaged as a, as a viewer and as a... I mean, you know me by now, listeners, if you have heard the show before... I'm a researcher. I dive into things, and when I get into something, I really fucking get into it, and I will go and read all the things, watch all the videos, do all the stuff, and like really explore that world and tear it to pieces and try and understand every element of it and all that kind of stuff. And I love it when things give you that little sprinkling of like, yeah, there's all four colonies in Blade Runner. Do what you like. Have fun. Just come yeah. together, have a think about it. Yeah. Mm. Just have a little think. They're there. That's not what the story's about. Yeah. Though. We're on Earth. We're in basically one city the whole time. Just, yeah. just don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, you were talking about like, uh, you know, you ask a, a comic fan, like, oh, you know, where's what's a good thing to get into comics? Oh, and, they'll, yeah. and they'll give you like, oh, like, okay, right, well, you know, here's, here's Batman The Long Halloween, and it's really good because it's a contained story, and it's like early in his career and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, here's this this other thing. Or here, oh, start reading like Miss Marvel at the, at the very beginning because it's such a great like modern take on the kind of classic Marvel teen superhero. And, you know, it, it's really good. But most people who were super into comics got their start by reading like Amazing Spider-Man 645, yeah, which shit. was in the middle of an arc and you picked it up because it had Venom fighting Spider-Man on the front and you went, I don't know what that is, but it looks cool. And then you read it and you didn't understand half of what was going on, but it was so compelling that you you go like, well, now I have to find out more. Who's this? Who's this dude with a fishbowl head? And doing smoke out of his hands. He looks cool. Oh, that's Mysterio. He's shit. Oh, but he looks cool. D- yeah, oh, well, okay. If you like him, read this story and this story and this yeah. story. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and, and I, there, is, there is certainly, you know, uh, a lot to be said for dumping people in 
at the deep end and letting them learn how to swim. That that's very true. I mean, it's nice. I'm always happy. I'm always happy to talk anime and like give references and guides and like nudges and say, oh, this, this, this. I mean, there's a mm. thing where I was saying on the Discord recently, possibly even like Twitter, saying someone was asking me where do I start with anime. I said this, this, this. I said, oh, what about what's next? Doesn't matter. You've already. You, you're now an anime fan. If you've gotten through all of Full Metal Alchemist and all of Attack on Titan and all of whatever the fuck, mm. you're now an, you've now watched literally 200 episodes of anime. <laughs> you are an anime fan or you're not. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you watch now. Go off and find things. Yeah. Because I had to watch whatever I get my fucking hands on. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of dropping people in at the deep end, should oh. we do some summaries? Yeah. Come on it. Matthew, not only synopsizing these movies. Yes. Of course, naturally, being... King of the Weebs, you're fixing it as well. Damn. I'm fascinated. So let's start off with your synopses, please, Mr. Stockton. In case somehow these listeners have no idea what the fuck we've been talking about for the last half an hour. Or they've watched it and don't know. Or they've watched Which both films and gone, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Because <laughs> this might not help. The second one needs multiple viewings as well, in my opinion. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other discussion. But yes, let's get into it. Ghost in the Shell 1995. In 2029, in the fictional Nihama City, or... Newport, Newport City, City. In some translations. <laughs> Which just makes me think of the OC. Yeah. <laughs> sake. What you say, indeed. Anyway, Mankind has incorporated several mechanical augmentations and upgrades with entire body parts replaced with cybernetics. To police this new frontier, Public, sector, uh, sorry, public Security Section 9 is formed. While Section 6 uh, stormed the building, uh, in, we've seen opening skyscraper, a uniquely upgraded officer, Major Motoko Kusanagi, assassinates a foreign diplomat to prevent a fugitive programmer from defecting. We then get one of the coolest little title sequences ever. So, really cool title sequence. The first scene, you are thrown in at the yes. fucking deep end. Oh, yes. It's like, what's happening? There's a meeting. There, lady on a roof. Naked? No, no, she has no vagina. Okay, I don't understand what's going <laughs> on. Fine. Nope, oh, she's jumping off. Um, and then um, the police come in, but not the police. And then she shoots someone. Are they... And they explode. Yeah. Explode. Are they bad? They don't just die, they yeah. explode. Did she commit a crime? Yeah. Is she the police? <laughs> oh, she's disappeared. She's invisible. Okay, title sequence. Here we go. <laughs> That's some cool music. That's kind of how this thing spools along. In a separate case, uh, the foreign minister's interpreter has been hacked by an alias known as the Puppet Master. The belief is that the hacker would have hijacked the interpreter to assassinate VIPs. While tracking the signal... Going Ma after our Patreon supporters. <laughs> Those motherfuckers. Um, while tracking this in the Major, Bato and Togusa end up following a garbage truck. Turns out the driver has been unknowingly aiding the hack. So he goes from phone booth to phone booth along his route and he does this little thing he's being paid to because he's trying to sort of get back his ex-wife and there's a whole little mm. subplot and the, the cops are like trying to track the signal and think, what the fuck is going on? Oh my mm. God, it's a garbage route. And they learn all these things. Anyway, unwittingly, the driver leads Section 9 to an armed thug who opens fire on the cops and he has this amazing sort of sequence like heavy fire machine gun and then he digs in his heels perfectly as these proper anti-tank rounds go yeah. it's fucking cool <laughs> um, anyway they, they give chase on foot uh, the major chases him down and arrests him very iconic her, her invisible as shit invisible, him the water. invisible yeah. water stuff like beautiful stillness the spin kick at the end, yeah. just the movement. It's very, and I guess it comes a bit later, obviously, Cowboy Bebop style, the way Spike moves yep. and the way he does all the martial mm. arts and stuff. So fluid. He's so fluid. Mm. I absolutely adore the choreography in the um, mm. Cowboy Bebop anime. 
some, sometimes in live action, but not really. <laughs> and yeah. but I think this is a perfect example of like this sets up the major and how badass and how cool she is and the invisible and she stuff can do and human things because of her mechanical body. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And straight away you start asking, like we said, dropped in the deep end, like, who, what is she? How mm. robot is she? Where does this? Where where does the ghost end and the shell begin and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, because in the title sequence, the aforementioned title sequence with the cool music, we see the major being, for lack of a better word, born. Her mm. being built brain yeah, being injected, well, assembled around this digital form and this robot body going down a production line, effectively, the sort of almost paint peeling off to reveal the yep. skin of her becoming mm. sentient. So it's like, oh, you've ever seen okay. the the West World intro sequence? <laughs> yeah, it's a big influence on that, basically. Very much so. Um. In custody, the garbage man is questioned, and we learn that his memories, the ones motivating him to commit the crimes, i.e. his his wife and his kid, are false implants. It's just a picture of him. He doesn't mm. have a partner or anything like that. It's all yeah. just like this this false implied memory. So the case kind of goes cold. Because like whatever. Also, similarly, the, the guy with the gun, it's like there's no point in interrogating him. He's also an empty shell. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, oh. And it becomes this how do you police uh, a situation or, you know, Build a case when all the witnesses and the victims and the culprits are just puppeteered. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh shit. Which is which has come from people being able to essentially plug into the internet with their brains. Yes. Yep. And which means they can now be, be hacked. hacked. Hello, yeah. hello, the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to unwind, the Major and Bato go on a boat, uh, and she goes diving, and there's a whole discussion about your metal body if the if the uh, oxygen tanks failed. You'll sink to the bottom of the ocean. You'll never get out of there. Yes. Mm. And she's like, well, I kind of like that. And there's a philosophical conversation comes out. Yeah. There's a lot of those moments. Like I say, quiet moments where they just talk about philosophy just and still moments, life yeah. for a bit. Uh, so I say they discuss philosophy and cybernetics and the idea of ghosts and souls. As the, conversation, as the conversation ends, they hear an unknown third party, albeit with a major's voice, quoting Corinthians from the Bible. And Bato says, that was you, right? And they just sort of stare off like, what the fuck was that? So... This is the whole ghost thing uh-huh. where it's sort of implied, and again, open to interpretation, all that kind of stuff, that the Major's ghost is almost like a separate entity at some points. And it's, this is the whole ghost in the shell thing where they talk about, like, oh, how cyberified, the cyberification of people. The ship of the Theseus reference you made earlier, Tim, like, how much of your body can you replace? with cybernetic stuff and still be yourself. Yes. And they have the whole like, well, as long as you've got a ghost in you, then it's fine. That's your soul, basically, right? Everything's whatever. Hmm. But she starts like having conversations like on behalf of another voice in her head and what the fuck? You're like, oh, so my, okay. my, my interpretation of that is, as we'll get to, that's the puppet master already... Uh, it's never ever actually confirmed. Possibly, yeah. It's it's yeah. yeah I think yeah. Get, like you say, it's open yeah. to interpretation. But yeah. there is the very strong narrative that, like, yes, of course, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. But yeah, mm, carry on. Oh, me, carry on. Um, <laughs> Please do carry on, Matthew. Uh, I, that was my ghost speaking to me. Ah. Um Section nine apprehend a body that was hit by a truck. It's a, it's another naked lady. No. Oh. Um, in reconnecting it, they find a ghost inside and learn that section six contracted Megatech, the company that made the major's body. Uh, to create a body to trap this hacker, the puppet master. Really stupid, really dangerous. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a lot of juris my diction crap. Yeah. Um, anyway, the body then activates itself and claims a political asylum. And then there's like, oh, 
wait, what? Fuck. <laughs> uh, what is the situation with AI? We don't have a situation. It's like, oh, okay. What's the? What is the jurisdiction? What's the? There isn't one. Mm. Fuck. It <laughs> um, doesn't matter though, because an invisible agent attacks them and steals the body. So Section 9's uh, subsequent investigation reveals that Section 6 created the Puppet Master with the help of the fugitive programmer from the start of the film, the person they were trying to get back who was defecting. Um, all of which is referred to as Project 2501. It was created for political espionage, but they've been trying to get it back after it escaped. So it's a classic example of like, okay, okay, you made Skynet, it became sentient and got out into other things and now wants out. Mm. And it's like, I'm an AI, I'm sentient, I want to go now. I don't want to do this. So Agent Smith from the Matrix. Kind of, yeah. And they're <laughs> like, well, we'll, we'll build a, a body to trap it in. Ha ha ha. Oh shit, it got out. How did it get out? It's not just in one body. We gave body. it legs. We, yeah. <laughs> we gave it titties and yeah. legs. Anyway, the Major tracks the Puppet Master's body, which is being transported in a car to a warehouse. Um, but the car is being guarded by a spider-like tank. Very iconic scene. An invisible, mm. big invisible tank. Terrifying tank. So There's a car just in the middle of a warehouse. Uh, kind of warehouse slash museum because it's got like yeah. fossils on the wall and a yeah. uh, big old tree. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. tree of life. Tree of life thing. Yeah. Um, which kind of symbolism, ladies mm. Symbolism. Featured in Angel's Egg as well. But either way. Uh, Angel's Egg is another um, Oshi movie, it by is the way, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. that predates this and is very. <laughs> the man similar. has his preoccupations. Very much so. Very much so. Angel's Egg is basically a sort of predecessor to this. Yeah, yeah, effectively. effectively. And great in its own right as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but not the French version, which is half this and half. <laughs> I, I, I can't <laughs> yes, the name of that fucking yeah. film, yeah. Um, so, the Major then engages on her own against orders and is able to get the Puppet Master, but her body is effectively ruined in the process. Mm. So, she's, this thing is like tearing through the walls. She's using the best weapons she has, but she can't really do much with it. She has to literally jump on top and uh, rip it open, but in doing so, tears her own arms off almost. Yeah. And she becomes useless and disaffected, but yeah. Yeah. Really awesome idea like she's willing to put her physical body at risk and well, when your body can be like, replaced yeah. the idea of ripping your own arms off doesn't really yeah mean yeah the same thing to us and it's real graphic it's real grisly yeah even the, her back muscles start spasming and stuff <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly like the skin starts tearing off from her arms and yeah. shit like that's oh, so good brutal uh then bato arrives um <laughs> he, does. he does kills kills the tank with a big gun yeah. yep and it's cool Get, gets his arm ripped off yeah that's true um, he then helps the Major link up with the AI, the Puppet Master, on the floor in this body. The two then discuss life, mortality, and sentience. And Bato goes, you know I can't hear any of this, right? <laughs> you're, just, you're just having a conversation inside your head? They ignore him. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, as well as evolution and procreation. This is where it gets important. As such, the Puppet Master requests to be merged with the Major's ghost. Uh, by the way, the Puppet Master, very fa- one of the reasons, by the way, in The Matrix Reloaded, the architect is who the architect is, is because that dude is the voice of the puppet master Correct. in this movie. Yes. So concordantly, <laughs> vis a vis ergo. Ergo, yeah, therefore. That, he's in there for that reason. Yeah. To deliver all exposition. And he's like, you know, humans need to procreate. He's like, well, why don't you just make another version of yourself? That's a copy. That's a defective thing. I need to be a new being. Mm. And she's like, and, and Butter's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And the major's like, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I got to this point and I was like, because I, again, I, I didn't know. Realize this, you hadn't this, seen it. Yeah. This, this part of it. And I was like, Oh, so he's just like, I have the hots for you, anime girl. I too <laughs> please, have the boobies. Kind of. Please let, please have my babies. Let us make a new being. <laughs> a baby. <laughs> At that point, a Section 6 sniper squad arrive in helicopter and shoot the Puppet Master's body 
to cover up the involvement in 2501 because it's classic just, uh, you know, political scheming and machinations. And yeah. That's what it actually comes down to. But we we like, made this thing. We fucked up. We got to cover up all yeah. traces yeah. of it. We kind of maybe did a little bit of a war crime. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to protect the major's brain and smuggles her out into another temporary body. Of a little girl. Uh, the new creation explains she is neither the puppet master nor the major and sets off into the night saying they will meet Bato again one day. And the voice changes and like, oh, I'm just a little girl. And now I'm the major again. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm not. I'm something else. You're like, okay, cool. And she just stares at the city. And yeah. Like, Creepy. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot to think about. It's a, really, it's a deep thinking talk, talk piece and it's like a chance to really, it, it, the thing you kind of want to go to, watch, and then have a discussion about. Yeah. Mm. Because you can then say that was a really cool but that action sequence that that and the fucking the tanks going do, 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 through the walls and they like you know you get the sparks coming off the the metal pylon supports and the in the mortar work that's so mm. cool and then of course what does it mean by this do we think that's the voice of the puppet master maybe it's inside her own ghost mm. do we think that you know if I was inside a machine would I live forever and blah 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 that's the whole point it's a it's a it's a classic I'm in my early twenties I'm a little drunk and or high and I've got <laughs> a lot of things to say about nothing mm. good good thing to watch my age of twelve. Um, <laughs> And it's iconic. Yeah. As we said, incredibly influential, iconic. And I think still has moments that feel fresh. I don't know how your interpretation mm. of this was, Tim. Like, like you said, essentially watching it for the first time, but having lots of reference points for it. Mm. It still feels very fresh. The visuals are still really interesting and mm. in ways that I kind of forgot, you know, I kind of underestimated it in many ways, I feel mm. like. Yeah, I know, I know it's like influential, iconic, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Didn't really think about like, actually, no, that's really cool. And even little things like there's an invisible tank. How do we deal with that? And she's like, shoot the glass ceiling. I'm like, oh, that's really clever. And just die hard. The, the, yep. <laughs> it's fucking die hard, right? Yeah. The shattering of the glass comes down and reveals an invisible tank. I'm like, mm. holy shit. So it does. And yeah. it's almost entirely hand drawn as well. Yes. Which means there is a very pretty, aesthetically pleasing visual. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> Ghost in the Shell 2. AKA big CG mess. Oh, we got some of that animatrix mm-hmm. CGI. You want you want lots and lots and lots of CGI on top of hand-drawn backgrounds? We got you covered, baby. You want the birds from Birdemic? We got you, baby. Those fucking seagulls look like a bag of shit. <laughs> shit until you see one close up, like, look at its face and like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good. Uh, go follow the Twitter account Low Poly Animals. <laughs> it's the fucking best. Like, this is a crab from Doom, and you're like, what? It's a red block. <laughs> yeah, that Brilliant. means nothing to yeah. me. There, there, there's a thing that I've noticed in animation of this kind from around this time, and I think there's bits in the Animatrix. I think there's bits in. Uh, we discussed uh, uh, Blood the Last Vampire in our live action anime. Is, is oh it, yeah, is it boobies, Tim? There, there boobies. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, no, mm. it's something that was pre would have previously been incredibly work intensive to animate which they can now do thanks to cgi and so everybody fucking does it which is first person shots yes. like going down a oh Corridors. we're gonna we're gonna yeah. walk down a corridor and you're gonna see it from my point of view kind of thing um Wait, they're still doing that the first episode of chainsaw man went up the other day and it has it opens with that mm. except now we have the technology to go Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like a bag of shit. That's only been a thing for the last, I want to say, eight years. Um, before that, it's always been, nope, nope. <laughs> that stands out. I mean, I do get it because nothing like a beautifully, ha- I mean, there's a, there's a series called Laid Back Camp. It's about a bunch of schoolgirls that go camping. It's not what you think it is. It's actually really sweet and wholesome. 
Um, and basically, um, it's I love it. It's really simple, really soft viewing, really easy. It's like, okay, better gather some wood. Slowly chop the wood. Okay, let's like this wood in front of my tent. It's all set up. <laughs> Thinking I have a soup. It's like, fuck, this is brilliant. <laughs> I needed this. I had a shit day. I needed this. Um, but Stardew Valley, the the anime, kind of yeah. <laughs> but the, one of the characters has a moped, and anyone who's animated anything knows, mmm, vehicles. I, mm. And it's always CGI, but it looks decent enough. You go, good. Mm. Here we are. This, I can tell it's CGI, but it's fine. Yeah, from the opening moments of this i saw the opening Fucking of this hell. movie and i was like oh i know exactly when this was made yeah hello the ps2 <laughs> so ghosts in the shell innocence to, to innocence fucking innocence only whatever welcome 2004. to 2004 baby i'm now i'm now 20 years old um at the time i remember final fantasy spirits within coming out a couple of years before this good lord what a movie and it looked impressive at the time it blew my 11 year old mind Whatever. It looks wobbly now. It really does. And this film, I don't think blew my mind. Well, the, the, the carnival scene we got up to, the, the parade scene's pretty damn good. Yeah. But oh, this, there's some uh, really interesting stuff. Yeah. We haven't really addressed whether we like Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence or Let's not. Let's get through it when we get through this plot. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can all highlight where we think it goes bad. Indeed. Um, 2004. Three years later. So it's literally uh, not the same. 2032. Bato and Togusa are brought in to investigate malfun- malfunctioning gynoids that have been committing murders. Uh, gynoid is the female version of android. So these yes. are essentially, we'll get to, sex robots. You're damn right. <laughs> I, so... Uh-oh. Tim's May, like, every this, robot's a sex bot. This, <laughs> if you try hard enough. This might be, this might be a, a translation thing. Uh-oh. Ooh. But because we, like... We use Android as standard to yes. mean a robot that looks like a human being. Correct. Yes. Um, Regardless of gender presentation. Yes. Yes. We, like, we, we do not expect, I don't think, most... If you said, oh, this is an Android, you would not necessarily expect it to have a dick. You, do, you just expect it to be humanoid in its construction. Agreed. Yes. Um, whenever someone uses the phrase joinoid... Blech. I automatically think, oh, it's a sex bot. Yeah, when you say yeah. ginoid. <laughs> yeah. Vaginoid. <laughs> Vaginoid. Um, and so when, when there's a bit in it when they're like, oh my God, these were sex bots. I was just like, well, yeah. No, yeah. No shit. <laughs> you named them after Genitalia, you yeah. fucking idiot. I, I, again, I cannot stress how I think, especially having been to Japan, Everything is a sex bot. Pretty yeah. much. This Hoover, mm, <laughs> sex bots. <laughs> These microphones, sex bots. I mean, god damn. The M Audio 8 track we have right there? Yeah. Sex bots. It's got a lot of holes. Um, so, <laughs> despite this, uh, the company that manufactures the inverted commas dolls can't find any hardware or software malfunctions. So, so far, it's just a procedural, like, oh, okay. It really starts off as police procedural nonsense. Yeah. Just, just like, ba- barely even police procedural. It starts off as a customer, like, complaints yeah. thing. True. Uh, Where's my guarantee for this? Yeah. As all the victims are high-ranking officials and, uh, and the company is settling out of court, Section 9 has been brought in. Bato and Togusa discuss how the major is still, inverted commas, missing. Because other than Bato, no one knows what happened to yeah. them. Uh, and the government's motivation to find her is solely to retrieve property. It's not about, oh, we've got to save her. It's like, no, 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 they just want the stuff back. And yeah. these are a liability or a risk or whatever. During the autopsy of uh, one of the, um, the gynoids that uh, Bato puts down, the cops discuss the nature of constantly upgrading 
leaving a host uh, of degrading bodies. Mm. So the idea is that, you know, well, if we're constantly just upgrading, 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 it's like having a new phone every now and again. Mm. What do you do with the old tech? What happens to these empty sleeves, mm. basically? So, Which is a, like, that is an issue that is becoming, people are becoming increasingly aware of now with yes. things like phones yep. and stuff like yep. that, where, where because they're not built to last and the, the, the amount of electronic waste that we have is skyrocketing phones mm-hmm. computers consoles yeah all yep. this shit fucking so airpods god damn man mm. um uh so it's kind of remarkably prescient that and, it usually and, is yeah and that they they link that to essentially kind of like displaced populations and you know unhoused people of you know like yeah these robots yep. people buy them for companionship yep. or quote unquote companionship mm-hmm. you know but then they upgrade to the next model the next year because it's got, you know, oh, it's much more lifelike and it, you know, it's... I didn't wash my sex, but it's stinky. I want a new yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, and, and so... <laughs> Jack's the, face. Christ. The old one gets thrown out on the street, but these are maybe not sentient machines, but with AI that is there's a lot of, smart enough. Yeah, there's, to, there's questionable human personality. Yes. As the, as because the, they've been designed for that, yes, that function. Exactly. As... as uh, as we get to, because this mm. uh, then goes into a discussion about children, surrogates, and the creation of artificial life, and so on and so forth. Uh, the only thing surviving in the gynoid body is a single audio file repeating the words, help me. Mm. Um, let's get it. Uh, over and over and over. A call then comes through reporting a homicide. So I'm like, okay, we gotta go. Um, but it's like, well, hang on. These are just empty shells. These are dolls. They're literally fuck mannequins. They're not actually a thing. It's like, well, how do they have such human personality? How, yeah. they, how they move and act in such a human way? Which is like, that's an unusual thing. Yeah. Bato we'll and Togus. To find out. Oh, oh stay tuned. Bato and Togus are link up with Ishikawa, uh, who goes over the very violent details of the murder. The corpse is an officer of Locus Solus, who make the gynoids. Uh, the belief is that the hit is by the Yakuza as an act of revenge, as uh, a Yakuza boss was one of the victims killed by a gynoid. So it's like, okay, well, you know. You killed our boss. You made these robots. Fuck you. I'm going to kill you really violently. Sure. And it's a brutal crime scene with mm. visceral, horrible stuff. As such, the cops, uh, as in uh, Batman stuff, head to a Yakuza bar. Well, yeah, it's a sort of office. Um, this breaks down to a gunfight, but the new Yakuza boss admits he doesn't know the former boss's connection with Locus Solus. Bato then enters a store on his way home and gets into another gun battle. He hears a sort of voice first. But then eventually Ishikawa subdues him and we learn that Bato was hacked. Something that doesn't really happen because he's, he's public property, effectively. Yes. His, his brain is his, but it's all backed up with police hardware. It's like when you are the president, your house gets upgraded to bulletproof glass because it's necessary. Up to the value of the house. It's like, mm. well, yeah, because my life was at risk. It's like, well, you're a public servant. You have to have all this shielding. Yeah, and the, they talk about this, again, touching on the whole, again, ship of Thesia stuff and oh, the yeah. whole yeah. cyberification of stuff with... Togusa being a far less cybery person, he has he's very cyber skeptical. Fewer yeah. augmentations than the your average Joe, basically. And this is something that's really touched upon in the recent cyberpunk show, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, talking about cyber psychos and like once you remove enough of your body, you can go insane and all this kind of stuff. And again, you just your brain trying to comprehend like phantom movements and phantom pain with things that are synthetic and real and blah blah blah. Re- highly recommend Edge Runners, by the way. Cyberpunk the game? Eh, fine. It's fine. It's fine. But that show is really, really good. And I think it does a really good job of kind of exploring, again, as Tim was saying, pulling out one of these themes and really drilling into it like so many things do. 
that does a really interesting job of taking that kind of okay so what happens if you go this far down this direction and you have too much cyberification and stuff yes and with bato he talks about like yeah i've been upgraded in certain ways and even the first one the major asking him like why what percentage have you been replaced at this point were you like 70 percent or something he's like bato who does not have eyes yeah bato has like these little cylinder discs orb things yeah, yeah exactly so it turns out he's hacked and it's uh essentially he, he he gets shot in this shop but it turns out that he actually shot himself so all of this is to further invalidate section 9's credibility after the Akazabar attack. So they're like, oh, you're clearly on, you know, uh, an out of control thing. He went and fucked up with these guys. Then he went to the shop and shot himself up and other people. That's really what a reckless danger thing. They're all, you know, we need to be shut down, blah, blah. Uh, Aramaki cuts Bato and Togusa off publicly, but encourages them to pursue the case off the books. Classic noir detective stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have to be seen to be doing this, but yeah. at the same time, I want you to still go out and do that. <laughs> I can't officially tell you to do that, but yes. Go and do it off the books. You're on leave. Should I hand in my badge and gun? No. <laughs> hand in your brain. <laughs> right. Give me your eyes. I will take your <laughs> eyes back. Um, anyway. Both men witness an extravagant parade. It's a long sequence. Yeah. It's, it's really, very pretty. Again, very cool looking. Yeah. 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 And uh, again, enhanced by this. And we haven't talked about this enough, but the music is fucking just stunning. Banging. Perfect combination of like ancient Japanese, and I didn't mean like just really ancient Japanese, and digital synth stuff. Slyby stuff. Yeah, yeah. perfect yeah. marriage of past and present and future. It's amazing. And the second one has a prime example of this one in this sequence. So they witness the parade, and they follow leads to the mansion of a soldier turned hacker named Kim. Good old Kim. Kim. They discuss philosophy while they do this, because of course they do. <laughs> uh, and while they do it... That, that's just an underlying just thing. happens all the fucking time. Whenever Matt doesn't say that, just assume that's happening in the background. Yeah. In the pauses I'm leaving, it's because philosophy is being discussed. Uh, Slash Kim... just Bible quotes. Just <laughs> yeah, that's just true. Just being said. A lot of Bible. In the, in like, if they're in a lift, it's time for like to film the back of their heads to save on animation costs and talk about the Bible. Yeah. Uh, Kim then hacks both the officers. Uh, they're subjected to traumatic imagery. It goes on for a while. See some interesting things. The house blows up. Turns out it's all fine. Bato is able to overpower Kim and says he knows he was behind the, t- the hack of the store as well. Something he's behind the whole thing. But why? Bato then infiltrates Locus Solus, located on a ship thing yep. in international waters. <laughs> it's like a giant oil rig. Store. It is, yeah. While Togusa remotely hacks in through an unaware Kim. So he's like using him as like a uh, proxy, basically. Absolutely yeah. proxy, yeah. The security system kicks in though and fries Kim's brain. Whoops. Yep. Um, all the gynoids on board activate and attack the security forces. Uh, the major, what? who, uh, <laughs> absent from this movie until now, Sort's except off. for like three lines Sort's in dialogue, off. kind yep. of, yeah, then hacks one of the gynoids and works with Bato. Uh, they take control of the ship and redirect the ship back to Sovereign Waters so it can be used as evidence. The major then exposits to Bato. She details that the Yakuza trafficked young girls and duplicated their ghosts, especially photocopied them to put them into the gynoids in an attempt to make the robots seem more desirable and human. A young girl is then saved from the ghost dubbing, as it's called, uh, ghost dubbing machine, and we learn that Locus Solus officer uh, killed earlier tried to expose the operation but was killed in the process. Like, okay, now I see. Except unlike a normal detector case where all this is revealed, you just told it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because the mage has gone off and done an investigation that we haven't seen. Because we didn't follow the mage, we followed Bato, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. Because she's a digital... God entity now. She's Neo. She's a literal. Yeah, she's Neo. She's she's her at the end of her. Yes. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. Um. 
With the case closed, Bato asks if the major is happy. She says she is always in the next. Sorry, she's always in the net, and then disconnects from the gynoid. Didn't really ask a question. Yep. Uh, Bato returns to the city and is reunited with his dog. There's a dog. I was, I was, I was just about to say. I can't believe we've got through this oh, without talking about. I realised that she wrote a thing here. If we haven't mentioned it yet, there's a whole minor subplot about this dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because dog. Oshi loves bloodhounds and has a bunch of them. I think. Yes. And yeah, there's no reason for it to be in. They're here. they're always in his movies. But there they are. Yep. And they look cool. They look great. The animation on the dog yeah. is spot and on. And it humanizes yeah. Sparta. It's a lot of conversational bits it about does, it. Yeah. Togusa doesn't want the fucking dog. I got kids. I don't want this dog. Yeah. He's the most human, literally, of the group, but the least connected to the dog. So yes. does that, that and but like again, going so back to like Voight, Voight Kampf kind of stuff, like the empathy for animals and empathy for other species is a uniquely human thing. So does that make him less, just because he's less cybernetic, does that make him less? He likes his kid, but is that because it's a reflection of himself? Deep shit, And the one, uh, the doctor who's like saying, yeah, children are bullshit. Yeah. Uh, And just, let me ask you a question, doctor. No, I don't have any kids. Yeah. And then she opens up her eyeballs and put a machine into it. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, And talking about how like making an AI is, or is, Mm -hmm. is basically having, yeah, is is driven by the same, or or rather, uh, having kids is driven by the same desire we have to make an AI almost yeah, rather than the other way around. Yeah. And um, Ishikawa cares about the dog not dying as well. <laughs> he saves him from the building with, like, when Bato's like, under a, uh, a hack. Anyway, Togus gives his daughter a doll for her birthday, having learned nothing, obviously, and Bato stares at it. Credits. So, in answer to the question earlier, do I like Innocence? Um... It's a very frustrating movie, but the truth is, if you're a Ghost in the Shell fan, or any major fucking anime franchise, that major, there, uh-uh, there are always going to be frustrating moments because yeah. this is not a bad movie. The actual gumshoe detective sort of story, it works mostly. Yeah. It's frustratingly shoddy and heavy exposition heavy towards the end. It's like I don't really feel like I learned anything. I feel like you just kind of told me everything, but fine, I guess. Um, the ramifications are really interesting. The world building is still very cool. The visuals are still nice when they're not hideous. <laughs> <laughs> they're really nice when they're not hideous. Yeah, that sums up pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Final Fantasy X cut sequence level, which isn't a bad thing because I love Final <laughs> Fantasy X. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a good reference. Not that bad. Um, that's, that's a niche reference to yeah. Final Fantasy X. Um, but at the same time, I. I mean, I rewatched both these recently. Actually, I rewatched all this shit recently. Um, just for the lols. Just because I love it, man. Mm. Um, we, it's uh, Ghost in the Shell, weirdly hard to find yes. in the UK unless you have Funimation. Yeah. Uh, Which is sort of owned by Crunchyroll and paused yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ghost in the w- Shell 2 is... Just stick it in on YouTube and we- there's several copies there. <laughs> yes. Ghost in the Shell 2 is infamously difficult to get hold of because of a bunch of licensing issues that happened. It was owned and published by like two or three different companies across the US and the UK. You mentioned it just being called Innocence of Japan. Yep. That was a whole other discussion of like separating it from Ghost in the Shell that they wanted to do. Some people Be- say, I think because like- Oshi wanted to go off and do his own thing. Yeah. Didn't Oshi like- say it's not a sequel? Yes. He he treat he treats it as its own standalone movie. Uh... And a lot of the issues with what well, it's clearly fucking not. Um <laughs> It is for like an hour, and then suddenly the major and the shows major up, shows and you're up like, because... well, this is a sequel to the first fucking movie now. Yeah. If you'd have just done the, the story, story of Batu and, and like mm. the whole the detective thing, 
It, yeah, it's essentially a spin-off or mm. standalone sequel. But, however then, you want to do but it. then you would also have had a lot of very unhappy people going, where's, where's the, the fucking major? Exactly, exactly, yeah. I was one of them. I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea for a sequel. But as I said, a bunch of licensing stuff. It's incredibly difficult to hold off. I think, I think it's either the DVD or the Blu-ray or something like that is like basically impossible to get hold of now. Mm-hmm. I was watching the YouTube uh, movie reviewer and now movie maker Chris Duckman talking about it, and he said like, "Yeah, I enjoyed this movie oh, at the time." Yeah. Blah blah. Yeah. And he has his like very much like you do here, Matt, in the Sequelizers HQ, our mm-hmm. little recording room that is your living room. He has all of his stuff behind him in his shop because he's a movie reviewer on YouTube. Of course sure, he does. Sure. He says, that Ghost in the Shell 2 is the rarest thing in my entire collection. Yeah, you cannot get yeah. this anywhere. You can buy it on eBay for like $1,200 mm-hmm. because they don't make them anymore and they never will do probably yeah. because it's basically gone out of print and nobody knows who owns the rights anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck is going on? I have it on Blu-ray and DVD and I, I think they're almost impossible to get a hold they're of. They're basically impossible to get a hold of now. And yeah, so I think I like so much of the second film, but you're so right, Matt, that it's suddenly like, oh, by the way, all this other stuff just happened off camera and here's it explains it all. Mm-hmm. Like, couldn't we have we could have had another interesting film following the major and her yeah. stuff, but I almost like the idea, like the boldness of being like, Yeah, she's kind of god now, so she can't be the main character. So available um, to an audience. She's off doing another thing, and I quite like her, like being in the guardian angel role, to batter and all that kind of stuff. She says she'll, she'll always be there. As a yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's a, it's a it's a cool kind of like concept and all that kind of thing. But yeah, the ending just doesn't sit well with me in the way that it just kind of explains everything. I really like almost like the first hour. Again, feels like a very different film and a very different franchise for a lot of it. Yeah. But I like enough of what it does. That would be like, okay, yeah, sure. And then just like, oh, yeah, and this is the entire explanation now. It's also only like 10 minutes longer than yes. Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah, it's 101 was, minutes, so it's like 20 minutes yeah. longer, yeah. The problem at the time was standalone complex was coming out and being much better. Mm. As in like, you know, you were getting all the characters, all the stuff. And it was like, when does this take place? Kind of in between the first minute of Ghost in the Shell and the 40th minute of Ghost in the Shell. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. There, you know. No, I don't fucking know. Um, but uh, yeah, to release this film randomly at that point, it's like you've got two very different. It's, it's like we'll be fine with five different Batman. It's like uh, I don't know who will. Mm. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that this came out at the same time as Standalone Complex because this, to me, felt like the double-length pilot episode of Ooh. the start of a series. That's true. Um, because it. The thing about Ghost in the Shell, because it ha- because it's dealing with the puppet master, and I don't know if they ever explicitly say this, but it certainly feels it feels like when they realise what the puppet master is, it's like, oh, it's the first of its kind as a as an as an yes, AI yes. rather than someone's personality who's been downloaded into a machine. This yes. is a this is a thing that has generated from Artificial he, programs. It itself says that at one point. That's yeah. like as close as you get to that actual expl- yeah. explanation of I am something new. And yeah. You're like, ah, okay, right. Yeah. 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 And because it has that underscoring, it feels substantial in a way that Innocence doesn't. Innocence feels like here's a case of the week. A day in the life of Batu. Yeah. yeah. Which is really good and interesting, but it doesn't feel as big as the first film. Not that the first film feels it's not like a world-ending threat or anything. It's just, but well, it has that 
Well, potentially. With the but, AI becoming sentient. It's yeah. Like, it's like uh, a spy film where you think this could lead to nuclear weapons. And you're like, oh well, my God, yeah. it's yeah. An, or narrowly averted. Mm. It's Batman off with the Justice League and Gotham Central, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I oh, fuck, yeah Gotham okay. Central is like one of my all-time favorite comics. Mm. A Batman story it ain't. Yeah. But that's fine. I like the ca- plenty yeah. of the characters in Gotham Central. They're really interesting. the last five minutes. And says, yeah. And, I've got all the answers. Here yeah, they are. Pretty much. Bye-bye. Don't forget, I'm the world's greatest detective. Uh, fuck you guys. See you later. Um, <laughs> I'll always be there. <sighs> yeah. It, that's kind of the equivalent of what happened and mm. happens with Gotham sometimes when that yeah. <laughs> kid Batman shows up. Fuck, oh, fuck Gotham. Christ. But yeah, I find it fascinating that this is the direction Oshi chose to go into basically as a big fuck you to Shiro and the people who were creating standalone complex and doing all like mm. the, the parallel dick swinging. Other, eh? Yeah. It's all dick swingy bollocks basically where it was like, no, I want to do a Bato story and um, I'll just do something. And then the major will show up at some point and we'll probably be fine. Mm. People can just watch that and they can enjoy that by themselves. It's, it's a totally standalone thing. I'm like, I, as we said, I don't agree with you that it's a standalone thing. And I think it feels heavy, ha- more heavy handed than the first film in many ways. Mm. Again, where they're just literally not like discussing the philosophy of Bible quotes and stuff, like talking of Evangelion, mm. all the nonsense Bible shit that's in that show kind of feeds into the whole philosophical thing. And there are points in this, the second film in Innocence, where they're just like, right, why did you say that out loud to the other person in the <laughs> room? They're like, well, you know, I- Bible quotes, isn't it? Like, okay, sure. I think there's a section in this. Where someone does a quotes a philosopher, the other person replies with like another philosopher's yes. quote about the same topic, and then the original person replies with, to with that with quote. another quote. Yes, and it's like yeah. you're getting a little bit insufferable yes. now. Yes. this is basically how it is in the Star Trek universe, especially <laughs> Next Generation, mm. where it's like ah, this classic opera singer. Yes, of course, inspired by this play. You say yes, <laughs> based on the treaties of this particular philosopher. It's like. Can you fuck off? We yeah. all heard it, mate. It's a good song. Just leave me alone. Uh, whereas, I mean, I'm I'm fucking Catholic. Quote the Bible at me. I'm like, oh, whatever, mate. <laughs> I don't yeah. fucking know. Yeah. That's that's so. It's rather than you know the, the way the story goes, like da da ba da ba da ba da ba da, and then someone finishes the quote, goes da ba da ba da ba da. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's like what? I mean, that being said, arguably, we do that all the time with movies. <laughs> Sure, but that's different because that's a different kind of art. Mm. Um, but it's less insufferable. But that—that's the equivalent of like, that's why Kevin Smith films ran so quickly into the ground. Of like, there's only so long where three characters in a room can just quote different movies at each other in a circle. Uh, the moment of complete, like, a, a point of no return. You've absolutely fucked it. No, jump the shark. You're gone. Is she's Millennium Falcon? Is her name? Yes. Fuck you. Mm. Yes. That's the dumbest thing I've exactly. heard. Exactly. It's not even a joke. That's just yeah. dumb. Yeah, true for that, but, but, <laughs> but with philosophy and Bible stuff. True, but yeah, I think a lot of the second one, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I started enjoying Innocence. I was worried it was going to be a massive bag it's, of shit because I had yeah. no idea what to expect from it. Mm. It's I knew a three I, out of five. Yeah, I knew almost nothing about it going into it. Mm. I was like, I know that I, I knew that the major isn't the main character. I knew Bata was the main character. That was about it. Bato's charming though, so that's fine. Bato's mm. great. He's probably my favorite character in the first mm, movie. So I'm like, that, that works for me. Mm. Um, I like the addition of Togusa. I think he's an interesting, again, that kind of... Togusa's always important. Balancing kind of thing mm. of him with his family life. Because he's ever so slightly racist. He's a bit of a dick, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. ever so yeah. slightly... I don't trust you robo people. I'm yep. Like, mm. Mm. Yeah. 
but it's not too heavy handed. And I wonder if that, you know, again, not knowing what Matt has done, whether he's fixed it a little bit or burnt it to the ground, we have no idea. Mm. But I think there is a film, you could make a really interesting film out of this by tweaking it pretty easily, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. just dialing down the wank a little bit. <laughs> Wanking you know, up the wank, it, it, if you want. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there's, yeah, that, that, it's not bad. That's the thing, yeah. is that it's just a step down from Ghost in the also Shell. follows which, up an absolute fucking masterpiece. Yeah, which yeah. is kind, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those, it's like Crouching Tiger. It's, you know, um, how do you... The Godfather you, we talked about before as well. It's yeah. one of those industry-changing moments. Yeah. It's not just a whole, like, oh, well, this is going to change how we look at a certain film. It's like, no, 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 mm. this changes how we look at a fucking medium. This put things on the map. This is for an entire generation. That's their entry point to this entire yeah. thing of cyberpunk and anime and Japan, mm. as in actual life in Japan. People mm. go up and go, oh my God, there are power lines everywhere. This is just like Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> oh my God, it's all neon. Just like Ghost in the Shell. And he's like, oh, but it's all just Blade Runner. Yeah, but Blade Runner's inspired by Japan. Mm. Oh my God, it's full circle. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we mentioned, uh, talked earlier about like films that have come along and have taken a little bit of Ghost in the Shell and go, oh, yeah. like, okay, we'll turn this into our whole thing. You know, I think of stuff like um, Surrogates, starring oh, Bruce shit. Willis. Yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the films of that kind of caliber. Mm. Um, and this kind of feels like one of those. Yes. It's like, okay, we're going to... And, and I think that's what makes it feel like the start of a series to me. Yes, I or, get that. Or part of a you know procedural kind of thing is because it's going, okay, we've got this amazing, huge smorgasbord of ideas that we could dive into. Here's the one we're going to explore this week. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it in an interesting way. I think the plot of it is is fine. I think it digs into, you know, interesting stuff and exploitation and, and you know, all kinds of interesting topics. And then it goes like, oh, by the way, here's the major who's going to solve all the problems. Movie's over. Movie's over. Yes. Yeah. So what are you going to do, Matt? Mm. Um, Let's find out, shall we? Let's find out. This week we are sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more. Not so much AI beings traversing the internet, but mm. maybe. Uh, we're here to enhance this fantastic experience, of course, because if you head to audibletrial.com sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. Um, a book I'm recommending is No Longer Human. Oh. Yeah, by uh, Osama Desai, which is actually it's one of those like classic examples of a, a lesser known but really highly regarded artificial intelligence book. And quite a short thing. I think it's like four hours on, on Audible. Yeah. But it's a solid one. Um, so yeah, that, that or any, indeed any other thing you want for free, whether uh, it's my Godzilla pamphlet or a <laughs> War and Peace. I'm currently reading the Junji Ito graphic novel version of No oh, Longer Human. Oh, shit. So, nice. Yeah, and it's a really fascinating kind of introspective idea about... Um, Something that Oshi has talked about before and like because of his love of his dogs and all that kind of stuff, he finds it often very difficult to connect with other humans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Dasai talked about this. Spoiler alert, it's the opening fucking sentence, basically. He kills himself. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's renowned as like one of the greats in modern Japanese literature and stuff. Mm. And he is unbearably depressing. True. But in a fascinating way. And coming to understand how he relates or doesn't relate in this case to other humans and him trying to understand the world essentially as an outside viewer of culture and relationships and stuff yeah. is so, so interesting. Um, 
and yeah, I've I've heard the audio is is really audiobook is really good as well. Yeah, but I am currently reading that in graphic novel form yeah. and really really enjoying it. This is an independent thing. I I was I completely oblivious. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, by the one and only Junji Ito as well, which is like one of the greatest mangaka of all time. Yeah. So head over to audibletrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook on us. Audible, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Jack quotes back at me, the Bible. And Tim quietly says, the Bible. Bible. There it is. So before we fix Ghost in the Shell 2, colon, Innocence, slash, also just Innocence, whatever I do with it, uh, Tim? What is your rotten tomatoes, you rotten little boy? Prepare for some digitally upgraded tomatoes. Oh, no. Tim's I... digital tomato time. Not only did I, every time I forget we do the rotten tomatoes thing, because it's an hour and a half to two hours into the episode, and we're getting in the flow of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, rotten tomatoes. We do that whole thing on our show to kick off the second half of the episode. Yeah. It's a fucking Tim rotten tomatoes. Full of dark horses. It's going Let's to be... Let's go dark horses for Tim. Uh, the 1991 90, or 1990 film Ghost and the most recent film Morris is a Shell. Yeah. <laughs> 1995's Angel X. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so much you could... There's so many weird directions here's, here's you could go my, into, Tim. Here's my guess. I'm worried. Original 95. Uh-huh. 2004. 2017 live action. live action. That was my guess as well. Tim, spot on. Yeah. <laughs> but now you've got to guess the numbers for it. Oh, let's go, horse. Uh, for people who this is their first episode, or if hello, you've welcome. Thanks for joining you? us. Rotten Tomatoes is a website. That, it is that uh, collates movie reviews and then decides if they are three out of five slash sixty percent or better. That's Ish. A fresh tomato. Sometimes. Most of the time. Sort of. It's an unreliable um, metric, to say the least. Yeah. And, forward. as we discovered a few episodes ago, exists because of Rush Hour. Yes. You're welcome. Funnily enough. Um, but yes, it is uh, the percentage of positive reviews, which is a 3 out of 5 or 60% or better. M- most of the time, cross your fingers and hope it works. Sometimes it's the wrong film. Sometimes 60% is not fresh. Yep. And not counted. And sometimes some of the rotten ones sleep through into the, into the fresh. It's yeah, yeah. It's Bit fun on for us. And, it's funny and, and more often than not, we heartily disagree with some of the critical consensus or the audience consensus. Yes, because you also get critical consensus, as you were saying, and the audience side of things. And oh boy, there's been some bangers over the years. True. We often relate to the fifty-seven percent that Blade <laughs> Two got. That still breaks my heart to this day. Disgraceful. Five? Something like that. Mm. Yeah. Still angry. Yeah. Yep. Jack, I'll come to you first for 1995's Ghost in the Shell. Since it's in 1995, I'm going to go 95, please, Tim. <laughs> it's an all-time classic fucking masterpiece. Yeah. It's going to be high. Matt, it's got to be in the 90s. It I'm, to be, I'm, okay, I'm okay, okay. I'm kind of torn. All right. Two or all right, Nally and Brulia. Uh, every, every time. Fucking time. Every time. I know it gets you. Two or three points the other way, basically. Either it's like 97, 98 or 93, 92, I think. Um, Which way you roll on the dice, man? Let's go 97. Oh. Let's, go, let's go up. You've Fuck gone it. up. Fuck it. Anything lower. And, and I you, get it. Yeah, interesting. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's 96. Oh, then we're fucked. Shut up, Tim. <laughs> Matt. Hello. Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence from 2004. I think a lot of people didn't like it. I agree. I think so. I have a feeling I think it will be better than the score, if that makes sense. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 62. I'm, oh, 62. I don't think, I don't think it deserves to be there, but... Jack? Yeah, I think you were along the right sort of lines. I do wonder how many reviews it got as well, considering the weird release thing. And I can tell you, it got more reviews than the original. Interesting. Again, on, at least digital, the digital age and stuff. Yeah, yeah on Rotten Tomatoes. Because 1995 predates the existence of Rotten Tomatoes, whereas 2004 doesn't. So you would have to be mm-hmm. putting it on there mm-hmm. at the time and all that kind of stuff. 95 so is where the internet started to get pictures. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, uh, sexy, sexy picture. I'll go slightly higher. I reckon. You say 62. He That's did. I'll go 65, please. 95, 65. I'm thinking. And finally, Jack, I'll come back to you. Oh. Ghost in the Shell 2017. Again, that could be in the 60s as well. It's a weird, ah, it's just right, it's fine, like kind of thing, which is, I can imagine some people giving it a three out of five. Bang it in the middle at 50, please do. Matthew. Little lower. Mm. I don't think it's creeping to the 30s. No, that yeah, uh, it's so weird. I feel like we've been doing this for so long that, granted, oftentimes we're not bang on, mm. but we always seem to be we in seem that to be around the right yeah, area. All, as soon as you said, "Oh, not the 30s," my brain went, "Yeah, Matt, I agree." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I know, I know. You get these weird little inklings, right? Yeah, because you start to get to know the people who are. Reviewing the things, <laughs> and the nutters. Yeah, it's it's not that you're the Siskels and Eberts of the yeah, world. It's for example, if, if I I probably should um, the one year where I correctly predicted Parasite. If I bet money on that, I'd have made a lot of money. Um, winning the Oscar that is. Um, oh right, right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, just, and, I'm just going to bet on Parasite just full stop. Always bet Parasite. Um, but it's the idea that it's like that wasn't because I thought it deserved to win or that it did. It was the idea that that's how the Academy is leaning. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to say forty. Okay. Interesting. Incredibly close. God God damn. God damn it. So, 1995's Ghost in the Shell. Jack, you said 95. Matt, you said 97. It's true. 59 reviews. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ, Tim. (laughs) Jesus, Tim. (laughs) On Rotten Tomatoes. Imagine Tim working in a a medical unit. (laughs) Your son is dead. Tired from the operation. Like, Jesus Christ! I, I thought you were going to say, imagine Tim working in a bingo hall. For <laughs> like the doctor at Arrested Development. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. exactly. <laughs> He's going to be all right. Oh, thank God. Because his left hand is gone. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah. Yes, so 59 reviews. 59 reviews. 97% positive. Matthew. Matt well done. dead on. Well done. Okay, okay, okay. What about audience score, Tim? Audience score. With uh, more than 50,000 okay. scores submitted, yeah. 89%. Mm. So, so mm. high. A lot of people not not getting it, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I say a lot of people. It's enough. overrated. It's too long. It looks weird. Not enough. I don't, like that, I don't like that bit in the middle where it's just kind of contemplative and it makes you consider your own mortality. It's lots of quiet talking Why bits. Why shit of water? Why she got oh, yeah. no nipples? <laughs> uh, Ghost in the Shell 2. Yes. Yes. Very curious, though. Innocence. Uh, Matt, you said 62%. I did. I forgot for a second. Yes, I did. Jack, you said 65%. I did. With 98 reviews oh. this time. 64%. Oh, oh, oh. Shitting it's hell. One each, Matthew. One each. Uh, Too close. Again. 
so on it. It's so weird how we do this. <laughs> so often we get it where it's between the two yeah. things, and it's just a weird. This weird one is an outlier, though. This this next one. Oh, it just mm. could be anything, man. Uh, and the I'm audience score on that one uh, with twenty five thousand reviews, eighty uh, percent. Huh. So pretty still received yeah. well by yeah. yeah people who vote on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, sure. I'd certainly give it a three out of five. Finally. 2017's Ghost in the Shell. The wild card, man. What's this going to be? Jack, you said 50%. Mm. Matt, you said 44%. Mm. I did. Mm. 299 reviews. Unsurprisingly, modern, modern, modern films have a lot, lot of... More, sure, yeah. sure. Adds an element of nuance there in terms of percentages as well. Yeah. So, yeah. 43%. Oh, damn it. So you both overshot, but Matt, you well, only by 1%. Well done, Matthew. Damn. Uh, an audience score of 51. So audiences yeah. also were I was, not I was especially a keen on it. The people right there. Uh, Again, that's... it's when you watch it, you look at it as a fan or not and go, this looks really fucking pretty. Kind of dumb, though. Kind of yeah. hollow. Kind of nothing. Like, kind of soulless, yeah. ironically. Kind of a yeah. shell without a ghost in it. Yeah, much. it's very much a shell without its I ghost. I like Michael Pitt, though. He's pretty good. But yeah. I was also like, but not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't use him well enough. You, you, you're in better things than this, Michael Pitt. Pitt, you deserve better. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't go through all the uh, uh the the new movie or whatever the other one's exactly. called and a bunch of other stuff yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to carry through there. Yeah. Yeah. Um although Ghost in the Shell weirdly when at least when I typed it into Rotten Tomatoes mm. it it gives you all of the series and stuff doesn't show you the original <laughs> you have to go hunt I had, for I it. I had the same thing when trying to find them on streaming services I use the thing not sponsored at all. Uh justwatch.com is really handy for finding that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, typing ghost in the, it also completed with all of the different TV shows. I'm like, the only thing you're not listing here is the original movie. It's the thing I want to stream. 1995. Seriously, yeah. I was like, so how am this thing doesn't complete titles with the years like Wikipedia would, for example. You can type 1995 and Wikipedia will go, oh, you mean this one Hmm. with Just Watch. You type in Ghost in the Shell, and you just have to trawl through all the results of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. It was very frustrating. <laughs> anyway, Matthew Stogden. Yeah. What are you up to, little anime weeby boy? It's It's been, uh, let's face it, it's one of those years in the making moments, isn't it? Is this one of those, oh, I reckon I could do that, like, when you watched Innocence, or maybe even when you watched the original many years ago, mm. and you had the little twinkling of a filmmaker in your eye, and you were thinking... I could make a Ghost in the Shell movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's more specifically, I've absorbed all of it, so I've just sort of like <laughs> through osmosis. Yeah. It's like um, it's like knowing a person for many many years and doing an impression of them. Going, yeah, I know who that's supposed to be. Although I know you guys for many years, I can't do impressions of you two. Hi, my name's Jack Chambers. <laughs> I don't really have a distinctive. You, if, if when we, I go high pitched, if you're better impressions, I imagine someone could absolutely do an impression of it. I, I can't. No one's done a good impression of me ever. No one's a good impression of Tim. But I feel like an actual impressionist artist doing an impression of us would be terrifying. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't think either three. Of, you could pick up our cadences and intonation and Cadence, stuff. Manners and maybe because I often talk like this and my movement when I I, I, I can start thinking about things, mm. I end up kind of talking like this because mm. I've edited fucking hundreds of hours of me talking on podcasts over the last decade i'm hyper aware of all of my (laughs) little audio ticks and vocal ticks and stuff i don't know if you've ever noticed listeners especially on the live streams 
I, I consciously don't um and err uh and all that kind of stuff and like have trained myself not to do that from all the fucking editing I've done. And it's this weird thing. I And is my connecting word. I know yours is so, Matthew. Yours oh. is er, uh, Tim. Yep. <laughs> and it's this weird little things like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think we have particularly strong accents or intonations. You mm-hmm. could parrot back at us, but yeah, I don't know how mm. much it would be particularly impersonable. If that Send makes us sense. your impressions of us, everybody. Yeah, yeah, please do. Put, put them on, like, uh, we'll, make a video and put it on Twitter. We'll play it on we'll retweet it. an episode or something. Yeah, point. sure. Anyway, uh, I've done a film. I am fascinated. So I have a theory. Oh, shit. All right. Now, now that you've answered that question of, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while, mm. uh, burn it to the ground is my guess that Matthew has mostly burned it to the ground and not fixed and tweaked innocence. Would be I'll be guess. brutally honest with you. I don't remember. <laughs> Hold on. How long ago did you write this? I 1999. Wrote, I, I wrote all these pitches before the season started. Sure. So I don't remember. <laughs> I I got to I'm most fascinated to see if you've changed director. Let's get to it. Let's get stuck in, shall we? No. I went I was considering someone like Satoshi Kon or something like that. That would be um, very or, interesting. But I thought to be fair, getting the rights off Shiro in the first place to make this <laughs> is there's like, like no photos of the guy. He's impossibly hard yeah. to get a hold of. The the bloke, I can't remember the American's name, who translated Ghost in the Shell, had a real hard time getting a meeting with him to meet him in person. Years after he did the translations, he's a notoriously difficult yeah. permit. And famous because like that. Famously, the version that was released of Innocence in the West had there was no dub when it was released. No, for like years afterwards. Until I can't remember if it was Manga UK or Bandai got to it first, one or the other. Mm. Again, rights issues and bollocks. But it was it wasn't even subtitled; it was closed captioned. So you have like footsteps approaching and dog barks in background <laughs> and stuff just constantly there. It was almost like audio description. Squelching. Yeah, exactly. It's just this weird kind <laughs> of thing. So yeah, I, I don't blame you, Matthew, for sticking with Oshi because. Yeah, too difficult not to. Depending, again, we don't know when you're making this, but I'm guessing it's within the similar kind of ballpark, unless you're doing a 2020-something, whatever, Kinda. future thing. Kinda. There's no way you're getting the rights for this to work with anyone else, and it's a whole thing. So. It's too fiddly, it's too unrealistic. Yeah. Even when they did the live-action version with, uh, was it Rupert Sanders, I think it was, or something like that? Yes. Uh, who, who did, like, Snow White and the Husband things. Again, incredibly good visual director, not always great with story stuff. Yeah. Um. Mamoru Oshii was on set. He was giving it full I'm, approval. I'm surprised someone hasn't, they haven't snapped up Sanders and made him just be like, a production do, do, do a bunch of Mandalorians and... Oh, TV stuff. A, yeah. yeah. Here's, here's, a, here's a thing where you don't get to write anything of it, uh, but you get to... Just do, do some, the visuals and make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Because he does excel at that. Mm. He did do... The Foundation series on Apple TV, I oh, think. Oh, okay. I think he was either involved in that or directing it or whatever. Okay, okay. So I remember him, him talking about, like, oh, yeah, it's my return to science fiction and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then I've not seen a sec- single second of it's that. Apple TV in it. I like Asimov. I like Foundation. Don't have access to Apple TV. Never Fuck will. Apple TV, so, yeah. Anyway. So. Oh, she's back. Oh, she's back. With a bang. I'm also. Okay. <clears throat> I'm releasing it earlier. That makes sense. I do think ten, almost ten years is too long. Yeah. Uh, everything else, standalone complex, 
arise, all of it can come out, that's fine. So this precedes standalone complex. Very specifically, 1999. Ah. The Matrix. <laughs> the year the of God the Matrix. Damn Matrix. Wild, just... wild West. <laughs> the Jim two, West. The two biggest <laughs> hits. Yeah. Uh, the, one, time, the, the one that stars Will Smith and the one that should have starred <laughs> Will Smith but didn't. Thankfully didn't. I don't Thank think. Christ. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Can he you, would have I, been a good Neo. I don't want to live in that parallel dimension. There, There is some dimension somewhere. Didn't he say he like read the script and was like, I don't understand Yes, this, that is exactly <laughs> what, what he Sean said. Connery yes. said about being Morpheus as well. Yes. Sean Connery and Can you imagine Will Smith. Will Smith and Sean Connery as Neo and Morpheus. Hard pass. What a fucking world we would be living in. So, anyway, 1999, one of the best years for films, in my opinion. Um, yes. I'm putting in a Ghost in the Shell too there for two or three reasons. One, uh, just before the Matrix coming out, so it's like the whole Jason. <laughs> like, oh, it's all this stuff. It's all surrounding this. Did you know that this was inspired by this? Oh, and the sequel. Oh, that kind of thing. You know, it seems silly not to. Y2K, man. Whoa. Y2K. The internet being a bigger thing. Robots it all makes and internet stuff. Holy absolute shit. sense. Also, it stops the amount of CGI you can use. That is. I want to say a really important thing. It really is. But it is, yeah, maybe the worst thing about the second movie is its egregious use of it. Egregious, and, blatant usage of early 2000s CG. And the thing is, it makes so much sense at the time because, of course, if you have these cutting edge things that you can do and you're making a fucking Ghost in the Shell movie, you're going to want to include them. Yep. But it, Ages it like Ends milk. Looking like reboot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's some bits which look nice, but they are yeah, few the hand drawn bits. <laughs> the yeah. hand drawn bits, yes, that's true. And when the hand drawn sit on it, it looks very strange. I remember being blown away by the parade scene when it first came out. Yeah, it, it, the, it, the carnival parade is great. Stunning at the time. But that opening sequence with that fucking helicopter has always looked shit. Yeah. The, um, I think it would have worked better if they'd have kept it to a single sequence. Yes. Like the bit where they're in the house. Yeah. And they, mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of trapped in it yeah if that had gone if they'd gone okay when you're in here's the a matrix it looks like yeah this. here's a showcase for it we're gonna we're gonna put all of the cgi and do some mad yes. shit here mm. i think it probably would have worked better yeah because ghost in the show was one of the first big major anime production films to include cgi in it because ghost yes. in the show has some it's quite it does. sparingly used yes. though it's very sparingly and i'm going to encourage a bit of heavy producing here to ensure it stays that way. Mm. It'll still have funding to make it look really pretty and be mind-blowing and astonishing, but it's going to be more classic 90s aesthetic anime. Everything's very tactile and visceral and brutal for the fucking animators, but that will help slow things down and make them more whatever. Anyway, releasing 99, it's called Ghost in the Shell Human Error Processor, which is a reference to the manga. Okay. Okay. Returning cast, uh, the major, Atsuko Tanaka and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. Now, here's the thing. Mimi Woods did the voice in the first film. Yes. But Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is the one who did it going after that. Yeah. She's the one everyone associates with being, you know, the voice of the major. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just bringing that forward, basically. Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is fucking brilliant. She's so, amazing. Yeah. And sings a lot of Silent Hill songs, which I always love. Uh, Bato, Akio Otsuka, and Richard Epgar. Same. Yep. Same, same. Sounds good. Togusa, Koichi Yamadera, and Crispin Freeman. Uh, who eventually replaced Christopher Joyce from the first film. Again, that's one of those. I'm just speeding things up effectively. Uh, Aramaki is uh, Tamio Oki and William Frederick Knight. <laughs> um, new cast, Saito. I'm going Toro Okua from Gundam Seed and Fullmetal Alchemist and Tokyo Ghoul. 
And Dave Wittenberg from Naruto mm. and Code Geass. He's great in Code Geass. Yeah, very much so. Uh, the Handler, Kotono Mitsuishi, who's been in Sailor Moon, Neon Genesis Evangelion, goes on to be in Detective Conan, One Piece, so, you know, anime royalty. And Alison Keith, also anime royalty, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Full Metal Panic, etc., etc. Uh, the character's called The Reflection, um, Megumi Hayashibara, who's in Ranma uh, Half, um, Macross Plus, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Pokemon, Cowboy Bebop, Hello Kitty, tons more Pokemon. Um, and the British equivalent, well, the, sorry, the uh, English language equivalent would be Wendy Lee, um, who's in Dragon Ball, Cowboy Bebop, Kenshin, from Cowboy Bebop, yeah. 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 I love Hina, Planetus, Naruto, Gundam the Origin, etc., etc., etc. So the three characters we got here are Saito, the Handler, the Reflection. Okay. Cool. Okay. Nice. Hopefully, we won't have to read this fucker twice. To understand Once it. in Japanese and once in English. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, can you imagine? More just to understand the fucker. Google Translate. And don't ask me any questions, because as we established, I don't think I know anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. I love that you wrote this in some weird fever dream, mate. We open in the city of Hanava in central Najik. Right, this is from the manga. It's a bit fictional city, yeah. fictional country sort of thing. A coup and several riots have broken out over working tensions. A voice explains the conflict is being stoked by a nationalist colonel exploiting pushback where wealthy people are upgraded while the poor have less and therefore the benefits of society are closed off to them. Classic Ghost in the Shell politics. Welcome to dystopian yep. politics, cyberpunk, geopolitical stuff. Yeah, You can't afford a phone, therefore you can't have a bank account. It's yep. like, that's very prescient. In the heart of the chaos, a lone figure navigates the crowd Breaks into a central building and assassinates the colonel. We learn that this do, is. Do their heads explode and. It's all really fucking cool. Shell. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, by the way, mm. uh, the, all the head exploding and stuff. Still a PG 13, that second movie yes. in the US. Because it's, it's cartoons in it. Because it's cartoons in it. Well, Man. first one, R rated because of boobies. Yeah, that's true. The second one is more terrifying and graphic and violent and mm. shit. Child abduction. PG 13. Why not? Um, I mean, they're both 15 over here, so it's fine. Yes. America makes no sense. But uh, Mamoru, she took people out to an island off into the Pacific. Of course he did. To fire guns so the, anim yes. the animators would know how they worked. <laughs> I don't know if they exploded heads or not, but it looks like they did. Um, we learn this is an agent going by the alias The Major. Uh, what? It's not the end of the film. Uh, Fuck. Uh, is she some kind of guardian angel? Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. She's commended for her actions by the disembodied voice of her handler over the network, and is then told that her mission has saved neighboring UN nations from direct intervention. Back in Nihama City, an attack takes place in a mall. An individual executes all the civilians present before his body convulses and drops dead too. Fucking shells and ghost hacking mm. going on. Yep. Following this attack, Section 9 are brought in, and Patu and Togusa are assigned to the case. The two discuss the events of Ghost in the Shell and compare it to this attack. They muse that if organic, augmented and cybernetic brains can be manipulated, how can we exist safe in the knowledge of what is and isn't real? Ah, philosophy chat. This goes on for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, in a lift. It, but in this particular instance, if your entire being can be hijacked, bypassing the need to hack the brain because you can better control the shell, is that not worse? Both men debate back and forth, agreeing it's essentially two halves of the same coin. At Section 9 headquarters, Aramaki has several 
personnel navigating the neural highways. Make sure you look for the neural highways. I want the best deals for Prime Day. (laughs) (laughs) Hunting a suspicious code that has both appeared and disappeared over the last year. Batu and Togusa follow a lead, a man who died in an apparent accident. A neural upload reveals the person in question was heavily armed and en route to perform a similar terrorist attack, but for some reason never made it to the location, getting wedged in the storm drain, firing bullets randomly, and then expiring. In a Spartan hideout in central Najik, the Major discusses her next assignment with her handler. This will take her back to Nihama City, the location from the first film. It is then made explicitly clear that the Major is, in fact, the same Motoko Kusanagi we saw in the first film. Over at section 9, the group are gathered and discuss the pattern of the attacks and the odd code on the net. Aramaki has his thoughts, but will not share them with the team, because that fucker plays it close to his chest, he always does. He says doing so could risk the safety of the entire unit, maybe even the country itself. Plays it close to the chest, apart from his hair, which he plays close to the sides of his head. Straight down the skull. (laughs) A few days later, Suzuku, a woman out walking her dog. Yeah, there's a dog. It's uh, a basset hound. Yeah, of course it's a basset hound. <laughs> Suddenly drops the lead and makes her way to a munitions store. She raids it for weapons and begins firing into the street. The owner is able to trigger a defense mechanism which traps Suzuku until Section 9 are able to arrive. Saito turns up and interrogates the terrorist, learning that she is struggling to hear him over the deafening voice of the reflection. Ooh. It is revealed that the bodies aren't actually being hacked in a literal remote puppeteering. Instead, Someone or something is using the coding to infer eventualities, which the body is bringing to life. We then have a big debate about suggestion versus a computer code's ability to interpret multiple outcomes. This is abruptly ended when Suzuku dislocates her thumbs to escape the handcuffs and bites at Saito's grenade belt, killing everyone present. Jesus. Sorry, Saito fans. Yeah, fucking hell. Saito's written off pretty quickly. (laughs) Introduced. Fucked off. Yeah. The Major arrives in Japan and meets Batu in his safe house. Not recognising her, Batu points his gun at her, but she quotes the private password, established at the end of the first movie. This is a sequel, after all. Yep. Not a standalone weird (laughs) thing that's sort of a sequel, whether you like it or not. 2501. Batu asks why the Major came back. She simply says she has orders. Batu asks from whom, but the Major doesn't respond. Batu then goes over to the details of his case, which intrigues the Major. Sirens blare as Section 9 is under attack, with several members of the division being killed. It turns out that the Red Fuchikoma units have been infected by the reflection and break out tearing through the city, causing untold damage and chaos. Right, Fuchikoma. So, in the series, Sam encompasses Tachikoma, which are small, blue, sort of simple AI tank things, and they're very, very cool, they're on wheels. Mm -hmm. The big, sort of huge tank robot thing in the first film it's just a big tank. But there's a hybrid between the two, which is a Fuchikoma, which is a red thing. Okay. Mostly from the, 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 the manga. Yep. So it's basically a small um, tank unit they can pilot around. And mm. using, but they're on their own. They have their own little AI bits in them. But it's, they're like car-sized rather than tank yeah, size, right? Yeah. Yeah, very much car-sized yeah. uh, spider-looking things with machine mm-hmm. guns and rockets. So they're just tearing through the city now. Mm-hmm. Bato receives the call and the Major agrees to assist. We cut to big city-wide tank battle stuff, during which the Major receives new orders from the Handler, unheard by the audience. So she'll just like, because we, we should point out that when a lot of these things come through, people speak over the net privately in their head. There's mm. the vocal stuff saying out loud and the voices in your head. So there's a lot of disconnect between 
There's a lot of that in the first movie. Yeah. Well, it's hard to watch in the sub version. Yes. Because you're like supposed to hear the Japanese voice and think, who the fuck is speaking? Yes. Mm. No one's lips are moving. Yeah, yeah. No lip flaps in anime. I'm like, oh God, what's happening? Yep. Togusa then reunites with Bato, who brings him up to speed about Motoko's return as the major. Lots of like, what? She alive? Mm. What, what did you do? There's a good... And lots of the whole cynical, mm. look, I was trying to say, but she's not even a thing anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm. So the fact he doesn't recognize her when she goes to meet him. Yes. She's in a new body, presumably. Yes. Any she, he, he had her in literally just a random little girl body. Yes. She's, um, over the years, we've seen few iterations of uh, Motoko Kusanagi in various forms. This would be a very broad militaristic version. Kind of like, um, I can't remember her name, an apple seed. Uh, okay, so an apple seed, the name character is a, it's a oh, slender, athletic type person in green with blonde hair. Mm. I probably have her look a bit more like that. Okay. Um, but broader shoulder, more muscular, and like mm. more of a tank version. It's like, mm. huh, you seem different. It's like, yeah, I know. Because I'm a, like a war robot now rather than a cop. That's cool. how she's okay. protected. Yeah. Her hair would be different. All the Fuchikoma suddenly converge on a newly opened municipal building, scaling the sides and crashing into the domed roof. That sounds cool. From there, they take out oncoming aerial and surface attacks. Batu and Togusa see the Major infiltrate the building and report to Section 9 they're going to provide support. Aramaki tries to stop them, but due to the nature and extent of the interference from the attack, he can only receive rather than send messages. As the Major climbs the stairwell toward the central dome, she starts to have visions and contradicting orders from her handler. Batu and Togusa make it to the roof and see the Major sitting on the floor, with Fujikomas protectively surrounding her. The tanks speak in unison as the reflection, and say that unconnected human dominance is at an end. Three have a philosophical conversation, because of course they do, <laughs> about the origin of thought. Batu says, I think, therefore I am, right? But the reflection responds, Thoughts don't come from beings, they come from the thought itself. Intuition, the subconscious, instinct, etc. Was it not Nietzsche who challenged Descartes' logic by asking, From whence did I get the notion of thinking? Revenge, justice, and progression. Did you construct these ideas? Or did the ideas construct you? There's the answer to your question about how have I written this thing. (laughs) (laughs) You've gone mostly wank, Matthew. I've gone full ghost in the shell. Togusa recognizes this as Jungian theories. Because of course he does. Of course he does. He's a beat cop. Yeah. He knows all about yeah. 1900s fucking, what, 1800s psychology. Bato de, um, believes this is the puppet master's influence over the major, but he is told this is a very human binary way of looking at the world, presenting the notion that there are inherent villains and heroes, whereas the real world is numbers painted in grey. Motoko Kusanagi's brain was an identical copy of her original human counterpart, whereas the Puppet Masters was a purely conscious AI creation. Neither exist, and yet both do, and the more they studied each other's existence, the less they knew of themselves. That is, again, a very Ghost in the Shell sentence. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like the last episode of the Evangelion <laughs> anime, which just... I have been waiting for this moment. Inside your brain <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. It is revealed through a series of flashbacks and cutaways that when the Major's consciousness fused and was uploaded to the net, one aspect of her ghost separated itself to create another ghost in its image. This entire time, the Major has been conducting covert ops as part of her orders from the Handler, but the Handler is in fact just another part of her psyche running multiple similar simulations. Like a self-cloning virus, 
Elements of this hybrid consciousness have been creating simulations of determined possibility, which has run amok, causing innocents to be attacked and killed worldwide. Pretty wanky, Matthew. I appreciate it. Good. Are, are we all kind of following it? Elements of this hybrid nope, consciousness. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm rereading that bit. Like the elements of this hybrid consciousness have been creating simulations of determined possibility. Is yeah. the most ghost in the shell sentence? <laughs> I've oh, go concordantly, vis a vis. Just drink it all in. Uh, yeah, I think I'm following it so far. Cool. The major is Neo slash Smith. She's a, a machine she's and a person designed yeah. to do one thing and doing too many things. And so effectively, she's going off on covert operations because her human brain can't let go of, oh, I need to interfere in politics. And that's what my job is. That's what defines me. And she's doing that from uh, the voice in her head being herself. But at the same time, because she's connected to the net and it's all over the place because the puppet master's influence and it's split off and like a virus is spreading, it's getting into other people's things. And they think, oh, I have to also take out these mm. things, except they don't, they look like, like I have to go left it's like imagine someone giving you instructions of how to go down the street but you're in a different town it's like mm. so if you head down the road here yep then left okay then right i'm at a harbor now okay we'll go keep going forward i'm uh okay yeah mm -mm. and now shoot a gun at what that's where we are with this sort of weird situation. yeah so it's almost you know it's almost like they're mirroring her movements but they're in a different city kind of thing and yeah so it's but, getting but not, but not of... quite it's it's more like the instinct of like yes yeah you, yeah, have, it's just, you have to go get a weaponry now. Okay. Uh. Yeah. You need to fuel up, get the weapons you need to go. You need this location and execute everybody there because they're mm. all evil, whatever, cops or, or yeah. a militaristic a coup, whatever. It's like, that's what's interpreted as them all. That's why the guys are just in a storm drain, just firing guns at nothing and then dying. Mm. Because the, the virus moves from his system, which kills his ghost that was already present. And yada, yada, yada. So good. We're all clear on that. Batu believes the major is still present, but the reflection once again reminds Batu that this is a very primitive, organic way of thinking. Despite this confidence, two of the Fujikoma slowly turn away from the detectives. A very local debate with multiple versions of the major's voice shout at each other. Again, very Evangelion. True. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I've got Evangelion on the brain because I watched it recently and watched Ghost of the Shell recently and it's mm. all blaring into a big philosophical anime mess. Togusa and Batu realize that this internal conflict and rival egos all present in the same room is creating a chain reaction existential crisis for the machine mind. Again, an incredibly ghost-in-the-shell <laughs> sentence there, Murphy. A chain reaction existential crisis for the machine mind is a title of a light novel somewhere. It, it, yeah. Ghost in the Shell is one of the most influential things. So, uh, this makes sense. I think you mean my stepmom's a chain reaction <laughs> existential crisis for the machine mind. Help! Exclamation mark! Yes. Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Mm -hmm. This breaks down into a huge gun battle between the Fujikomas, all fighting for dominance. The humans repel out the side of the building and rendezvous with Aramaki, who has arrived at the scene. Their discussion of the situation with Aramaki is overheard by a commanding defense force officer, who explains this is the distraction they need. Before Bato can ask what that means, a satellite sails into view from space and triggers an invisible beam. Very um. Akira now. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. The screen goes black. Ion cannon charged. Yep. Batu hears Togusa talking to him but cannot see. Togusa explains he's in hospital and the Defence Force are on international trial for what they did, but are arguing that if the major slash reflection code was allowed to continue, it would have eventually consumed humanity. He explains that they set off an EMP, which, despite being quite localised and targeted, caused chaos as so many people are reliant on cybernetics. 
Togusa excuses himself and Batu thanks him for the visit. The film hangs on Batu's hospital room before a familiar voice whispers in the darkness. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. This is the completion of the Corinthians passage from Ghost in the Shell. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Credits. Interesting. That's yeah. very quiet. I yeah, mean, no, I, I, I'm I'm churning it through in my brain like actual Ghost in the Shell. That's pleasing. I feel I, like I've made a Ghost in the Shell movie. Yeah, really, you definitely have. Yes. I really like it. Um, I really like because I think the thing is is that what having watched Ghost in the Shell for the first time recently, <laughs> um, like one of the things that I was struck by at the ending, I was like, wow, the major like agrees to this radical change in her consciousness with seemingly very little persuasion mm, mm-hmm. and then i thought about it and i was like oh but she kind of talked earlier about how like is consciousness even at like yes do i even have an identity like does it does it make much of a difference if this thing happens yeah you know obviously she wasn't discussing the change of having the puppet master like incorporated into but it's her foreshadowing of but that. it's foreshadowing yeah. of her you know she she doesn't feel like radically transforming herself in that way no. is she's already disconnected from humanity quite she, a bit. exactly but it did. I did kind of come away going like, I'm, you know, what what would that mean? Like, what does what is that new form? And obviously, we see it a little bit at the end. But like, I think exploring the implications of that and like, can you unite an AI with a human consciousness? Mm. And you know what what happen and and what happens when you try and upload that combination to the net and then start downloading it into bodies and mm. then maybe pulling out of the bodies and going somewhere else like because it's such a unique thing mm-hmm. the idea of that kind of yeah it might not go according to their plans and there might be some you're 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 combining two elements together it's possible that there will be some fracturing and the thing that fractures off is not a remnant a clean remnant of one part or the other it's some you know combined element new thing so i i, I really like the idea of like there is her personality and she's but she's also she's getting orders from herself yes and then there's other elements out there almost like echoes of herself that Entirely, are manifesting yeah. Yeah. in other things and there's again with the title being human error processor it's the these two things are incompatible yeah there will always be the ego of the human and the major is a very arrogant person she's very doesn't follow the orders she very much goes on off her own doesn't work back up and stuff mm. and is very cocksure and confident and similarly, the puppet master uh, was designed as a political uh, sort of like disruption. Yeah, agent of disruption. That's it's, exactly. It's, yes, it's, yes, yes. It's like the kind of thing the CIA would come up with. Exactly. So you got yeah. those things being merged. You end up with this weird. Oh, I have to do this, and it exceeds its program, gets out, of it, and it has basically an existential crisis. Yeah, that's what. That's what I've proposed. Rather than, and then you have Bato and the others having their own detective case about other bits and pieces. They don't realize it's linked. But we as the audience see both halves of it. Mm. So in a way, to answer the question that Jack had earlier, did I bin the whole thing? Yes. But also no, because the core is still there. If Bato goes off on a regular investigation, and then yeah. it turns out it's linked, but in, in a way that we understand it better. Interestingly, when we were going through the, uh, the synopsis for Innocence, and I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, okay, and kind of processing, because I only watched it earlier today. Of course, of course. Like, you know, um, and thinking about, you know, yeah, the major comes out of nowhere and solves it all, and they, and yeah. you do really feel her absence earlier on in the film. 
Um, or you, you kind of don't, and it, it, it could function without her. Yes, but if then you they just bring her, in. her out entirely. Be yes, fine. Yeah. yeah, pick the, one side basically. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, and talking about like, oh, you know, how could you make that work? And I was kind of thinking like, oh, it'd be interesting if you if we did see her pursuing that investigation. Like, would you do that purely as like a digital thing, and you could do some interesting animation stuff of yeah, her, of course, like of course. navigating the web as a purely digital presence? But you know, that might get a little bit rebooty. Yeah. Um, or you could have her downloading into people for a short while to do stuff, and then moving on, and she's now this this almost like angelic presence that comes down on people, does a thing, and then goes off. You know, yeah. now I'm off on another adventure. That's it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I, I I like that idea of of these these other people who are being kind of getting little elements of her stuck in their brain and then wigging out because the personality is too strong. It's everywhere. Yes. Yeah. And I, it's and it's a unique thing that doesn't conform mm. to the other rules. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. I really like the idea of like as you're saying, Tim, and as you've obviously written in here, Matt, the combination of sentient AI and humanity has never been seen before has never existed before mm. and the straight up human brain is not meant for this so even a fraction of that thing a fragment of that thing freaks you the fuck out and mm-hmm. yeah you lose your mind whether that's the major slash puppet master's intention is irrelevant it's just that the human brain can't handle that kind of combination and that way of thinking i love the way you bring up the kind of that's a very organic binary way of thinking about things using the term it's a very organic and binary way of thinking about mm-hmm. things is such a brilliant way of putting it <laughs> well it's a very human and binary way of thinking about it like hold on a minute ones and zeros yeah they're for humans and it, it, it really touched on a lot of things like me coming at it from a like a sciencey kind of viewpoint thinking mm. about things like quantum computing and stuff like that things that we've been talking about for decades but Again, we're only barely scratching the surface on at this point now in 2022, let alone when this was coming out in 1999 yeah. and Y2K and all that shit that's happening at the time. But the fact that you are this whole like wireless transfer of information to the point where you're essentially creating copies and fragments of the same thing and you could really like kind of build that into like a quantum entanglement theory and all this kind of stuff. And the fact that you've never got a combination of a human and AI before transcends our understanding of consciousness. And I find it really interesting the way you've played on it and the way you've expanded upon it. This is exactly what I wanted to see from the second one. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, I think I might be pulling this out of my arse, Uh-oh. but the, the idea that every part of a hologram contains the totality of the hologram. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of thing where it's, yeah, like... Even when it's a fragment of her, that's a whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. That was really mm. thank you guys. As yeah. I say, one intimidating things... and mental, but it's ghost in the shell. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I... there are always things I want it could be improved on, obviously. And it's like again, like everything is a short pitch. There'd be a lot of room for like mm. long, beautiful shots and scenes in the night. Yeah. Yeah. I assume there's lots of just, just shots of the city. Mm. Uh, cool something we play. we didn't talk about funny enough. Those shots of the city, as much as they are just like just nice shots and beautifully set up and allowing mm. the soundtrack to do the work and all that kind of stuff they almost always show like junk mm. and it's oh, yeah. always like discarded computer bits and all that kind of stuff and i think it's such a like commentary from 
almost like I see it as, oh, that's the major noticing it and looking at it and her understanding of what her shell has become because she's like, was it like past the threshold of 98% or whatever they say? Like, yeah, yeah. She's past the point of being human anymore. She is now considered fully cybernetic, all that kind of stuff. She sees her shell as junk at this point and what's separating her from the bits and pieces that are just floating in the river or caught in an updraft in an alley mm. somewhere and all this kind of stuff. I think you play on that really well as well, Matt, like having people become those shells. They they already are in many ways, depending on how cybernetic they are, I guess, in this world. But the fact that they're just kind of taken over and, yeah, it's not a control of the shell. It's a expansion of the possibilities of what the human body could do. Mm. The only thing I think I would like to see weirder shit from that. Okay, yeah. I like I really liked the one where they just end up in a storm drain shooting guns and stuff. Mm, yeah. I want to see you almost playing on the whole like major tearing herself apart to rip open that tank. Yeah. I want to see them like pushing the human body to its limits. Mm. Being like, "Oh, what's this possibility of like somebody tries to leap across a building?" And they make it, but like tear off one of their arms in the process. Yeah, we could definitely have more instances of it happening across not the city. Yeah, yeah, think, not I, literally leaning into the body horror stuff necessarily. I'm just but using that's that as very example. ghost in the shell. Though. But yeah, having that, especially if you think I have a cybernetic body that can do this, like yeah, but you don't. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's the AI not understanding the limitations of the human structure, mm, and yes. some people are more cybernetic than others. So some people will go further and do things, and. Yeah, having just having that extra element of weird shit happening. Yeah, that makes it, sense. Like yeah. visually yeah. weird shit rather than philosophically weird shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bringing it all together even more and having it be like, again, it's an excuse to do cool visual shit I, and, and yeah, oh, well, she does it so I, I spectacularly. Very much like to insert a scene in that case where there's somebody who's apprehended in a separate way, unlike the uh, maybe after the. Uh, the grenade goes off before the building. Like, I, I love the thumbs and stuff. That's a really cool yeah. idea. And, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, someone who's kind of half broken their neck and one of their arms just running sideways through a street trying to but then doing like some aerial kicks and shit to try mm, and like, sort the cops you're like what the fuck is this thing so it's the mm, marionette yeah. doll coming. yeah you definitely mm, yeah. definitely have room for that shit yeah i think you could also do something with the um, bible <laughs> the bible we need more bible uh, matthew with like the two Sorry, maybe I never I'd say like either being pressured by higher ups or feeling internal pressure of like with the major gone, he needs to upgrade himself even more. Oh, to like, I like that. Like the fact that and Togus she, he would be very much like you don't want to do this. And yeah, yeah and that you've got the pulling from the other direction. You've got Togusa there being. Yeah. Like, I like that. Yeah, that's easy enough to do. Yeah. One one thing I would be interested because I, I was trying to think. I can't remember when she appears at the end of Ghost in the Shell when they Two? appear. The first one. Oh, in the little girl. Suit. In the little girl suit. Mm-hmm. Um. If she identifies herself as the major, then she does not. No, she specifically says, "Not exactly." Yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly the major, but yeah. I'm also not exactly the puppet master. Yeah, I'm yeah. something else. Yeah. Hence, and when we see this version being the major, mm. it's like, hmm, huh? I, I, when I read that, I was like, you did actually huh. vocally said yeah. that was weird. Yeah. So I think, I think it would be interesting to perhaps play with that a little bit more, where with the idea of like there's an element of her which is this new combined thing and mm-hmm. maybe like some of these bits that have fractured off or fragmented are more like they retain that identity and perhaps even kind of like glom onto that identity 
as a way of kind of maintaining individuality mm, yeah, yeah, um, makes sense. and that kind of that kind of conflict because because the idea of you know in ghost of the shell is that oh no we're going to create something new that's essentially our offspring uh in a in a kind of digital thought sense yes, yes. um rather than a biological offspring um and so perhaps kind of play up that idea as well of like it's almost like oh we weren't expecting triplets you know uh, <laughs> well see this is the thing it's uh, we'll probably reveal this more in the flashback but they start fusing and things the idea that the reflection is the new creation, the new being, but the major who we see as in, you know, almost mm. like, is this person actually the major? Are they an impersonator? Are they just going by an alias? Who, who is this? Yeah. With the handler and things like that. Had the government tried again? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they are a prime example of the human ego. Okay. Put, put it this way. When babies are, and this is, I probably have put this conversation in the film. Mm. When babies are born, they almost always, for the first week of their life, look like their father. Mm. Almost guaranteed will have all the features of their dad. Mm. Uh, and that bases back to a very ego-driven survival thing of if an animal sees a creature that doesn't look like it, it will kill it. Mm. And then you literally see over the course of the next couple of weeks, that baby changes rapidly mm. until it's like a bit of a hybrid. Oh, it's a bit like the grandparents, it's like mm. the mother. It just shifts and shifts and shifts. And then finally it starts to look like its own face. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you see like a photo of like, oh, this is my mum when I was a kid. We look identical babies, mm. whatever. But those first moments, mm. it comes out looking like one thing for survival purposes. Yeah. And it's pure ego driven stuff. And so the idea is that um with regards to the major, even though she's willing, even though she's all that stuff, she still has that human side of which is preservation and self doubt and stuff and say yes yes i fully comply with this you fully sign on i absolutely sign on board with it mm. what are you doing that little draw shh <laughs> don't about that little draw it's yeah. my personal things in here you don't have personal things we're, we're mm. one thing now yeah no 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 but that's my little draw mm. you don't get a little draw and then that's what she's created her own being which mm. goes off on its own thing they have that that's what it, what leads to the big argument at the end of it all is that you have this whole wait no we the whole point was we did this together it's like yes but i also made that why it's yeah because like, i kind of kind of chickened out a bit which is why you get the end of the film where Bartos in silence in the dark mm. and the voice comes to him and then it's the whole wait is that my voice in her voice is it the thing mm. in my head in her voice is it in fact the fact that both of them survived which one of them survived is the mm. ego so desperate to survive that it bounced into anything because mm. it knew what was coming and the, again because the whole point about the human error processor as I've interpreted it in this film is uh, eventuality processing so the idea is that, ah well they're going to attack us we're going to lose this. They're going to have all these things. I know they do because I've been looking through all the military things and applications mm. and getting involved in all this uh, espionage and shit. Do I bounce into another host? Mm. And which one survives? Which one got out? Did they all hear that voice and the thing? Do they have a shared All the questions and debates you could have. Mm. I think I would possibly like a third one to finish the trilogy of the major story. But mm. uh, if we went just straight into Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and it was never addressed again, mm. fucking fine by me. Yeah. It would work. Yeah, that's my, my my thoughts at least. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you've done a fantastic job there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was an extremely tall order, but I think this feels more. It feels more like a continuation of the story of Ghost in the Shell yeah. than a spin-off that's set in the same world, which is essentially what the problem of Innocence is. Absolutely, is it feels absolutely. in a way it's continuing the world, but it's not continuing the story of the major, which is really the the core. It's the crux of what we're watching. Yeah. It's interesting seeing the other stuff. Yeah. And when you get the more development in standalone complex, you get 
really interesting stories. Like, oh, it's an Ishikawa episode. Let's see what goes with this. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Hear about their their own lives and why mm. they got into the force and why they got mm. upgrades in the first place. I mean, they talk about in the in Sandlon Complex about how when the major was a kid, she was in an accident, had to get a cybernetic body, mm. and at one point she just muses about how she had to get used to a machine body, except that she picked up a doll and crushed it in her hand, her, like a favorite toy, because she was like, I can't control this body anymore. Mm. It's not my body. And she has to get it upgraded as she gets older and older and older. And it's, that it's never me. Am I the thing? So all this stuff comes up, but it's not in the films. Mm. That's in the series. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that works better over long on, form. On, on serialized TV. Absolutely, and, absolutely. you know, exploring the other characters in that more kind of police procedural type thing. Yeah makes sense whereas if it's a film you want it to feel like a a film and like there's a there's mm. a big central meaty story to be told and this yeah. this definitely feels like that good 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 i am glad thank you i say like, this has probably been i wouldn't say this is the exact story that's been in my head for a long time but the ghost in the shell as a franchise has mm. been in my head for so goddamn long and i've yeah. lived with it and i've absorbed all of it yeah written and there's even like ghost in the shell 2 innocence book for example yeah. i have that as well upstairs of course you do. I have, I have everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too late. I've seen everything. Um, so I'm just basically making a thing that is original that isn't in any of the comics or stories, but feels like it could be. Yeah. With the highbrow conversational bits and blah blah blah. I kind of, as I said, by the way, like I don't remember what the script was because I kind of wrote it, looked at it, and thought that makes sense. Leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> if I start thinking about it too much, I'll go insane. Yeah. Like your brain broke with a combination of AI and human. Mm, it's miss. A little uh, bit of a yeah. autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really like the ending as well. I want to kind of finish on that because mm-hmm. I love the idea of having just the black screen and the voices just happening, mm-hmm. essentially, as because we know Batu doesn't have eyes, so yeah. the cybernetics would be fried by the EMP and all that kind of stuff. And even thinking about like leaving it to the ambiguity, right? Like, as you were saying, like, oh, is that in Batu's brain now? And the major reflection, whatever you want to call this, this new creation Mm -hmm. is in there with him in some form. Or is she in the room and... He can't see? Yeah. They survived in some form. He can't see. So the audience is also left in suspense as well. That's it. Love that ambiguity. That's mm. that's perfect ghost in the shell type shit. Leaves me. the door open for a third one in some form. Yes. Do you have any idea what you'd like to do with that one, Matt? Yeah. I, 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 oh, not right. to no, hang spend on. another hang two on. hours talking this about it. This is not a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, this is an ambiguous ending. Um, We're not doing an... I'm not going to do another fucking pitch in another goddamn episode <laughs> no, later no, down no. the line. Jonathan Firth Clark, no. L- listen, motherfuckers. Some things just leave them alone. Um, yes, I have an idea, basically. Cool. Um, I won't go into it, but essentially it would be the death of the Major. Um, I feel like it would have to be. Has to be. Yeah. Um, and it would take place like a good 10, 15 years down the line. Uh, I probably have... She um, played by Scarlett Johansson. Yes, a <laughs> white woman. No, no, I'd, I'd have uh, Togus's kid being enrolled into the police. Mm. Um, and uh, befriending another new recruit who ended up being the Major and trying to relearn her lessons and go through right. again and all this stuff and blah blah blah, blah. Ar- Aramaki being dead and Bato taking over the whole division and things and nice yada 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 uh, so it'd be a legacy film yep it's how I'd see that fourth, third one Ghost in the Shell Next Generation we got it yep yep um, Ghost uh, in the Shell uh, Citizens on Patrol <laughs> Christ 
<laughs> Operation Miami Beach. <laughs> yes. But I would also escalate the um, stuff to, much I hate to say this, an SAC 2045. The escalation would also include a pure AI being an actual offspring of mm. uh, the major properly. Um, and more importantly, nuclear war. Nice. Just averting that. Yeah, shift. I think, because that's the other thing is that the, the fact that they accidentally make an AI in the first film. Yep. It's also that kind of thing of, uh, well, if you can do that accidentally, that's going to happen again. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it would be a, a reflection for nuclear deterrent and nuclear war stuff. It's like, yeah. you are now on high risk. And this gets out. It's public. It's happened twice now. It's still out there, maybe. What the fuck yeah. is going on? It's been 10 years. It's all quiet. But yeah. so you get this posturing and, and politics um, and interference and blah, blah, blah. Been some stuff in some X-Men comics lately where it's been talking about like, yeah, AI is like fire. It is not a thing that humans make. It's a thing they discover. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. And it is inevitable at some point that it will come into being and you just mm. have to kind of manage how it does. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, Promethean Singularity. There we there go. We go. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> well, folks, please do let us know what you thought of Matt's Ghost in the Shell human error processor didn't understand (laughs) (laughs) well if you join us on patreon you get the full pitch which will come out the day after you get it on the patreon because as i said at the top of the show you get early access you get it the friday before it comes out on the tuesday on the usual podcast apps and stuff but you get the full pitch on the saturday the day after it goes up so if you're unclear about anything matt and tim and i have just been reading for the last half an hour or so you can read it along with us and hopefully it'll make more sense. In the same way that, you know, the Ghost in the Shell movies require multiple viewings to so fully process, mm. pun intended. It's a whole thing of, like, me reading that. I, I don't know if you guys noticed. As you were talking about it, I was rereading bits of the pitch and, like, scrolling yes, through being yes. like, yeah. yeah, right, that that bit happened and then that happened. I was Let like, me just right, go over that, that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally have to do that so many times because... We're, we're so focused on reading it and making sure it's clear and enunciated for the podcast and all that kind of stuff. Actually processing some bits of the story, I need to go back and like reread mm-hmm. them and process them and stuff like that. And you can do that on Patreon. It's a nice little bonus thing we throw in for all the patrons. You can go and check it out. As I said, if you'd like to shout at us about anything, whether that's Ghost in the Show related or not, best place to do that are Twitter, probably. We're Sequelizers. Instagram, we're also Sequelizers. Or you can join the Discord, and you can do that by going to sequelizers.com. That has the links for the shop, the Discord, the YouTube live streams, all that kind of stuff in one lovely place. And yeah, all you do is hit that Discord button. There's a little invite button, and you get straight into the community of just over 200 people now. And we'll be talking about Ghost in the Shell, don't you worry. There'll be plenty to talk about. There is an entire channel all about anime. There's channels about wrestling. There's channels about parenting and politics and all kinds of stuff and uh yeah it's a fantastic place to come and chat with like-minded people it's a really really cool community of people something i'm very proud of as being you know part of the creators of the show and all that kind of stuff it's nice that our listeners and our community are so cool highly recommend it if you are looking for a, a new space to go and chat about stuff on the internet our discord is a very cool place if i do say so myself I am JLW Chambers on all the social media stuff. I tweet about wrestling and podcasting and SEO and a few other bits and pieces as well. So come and follow me for all of that stuff if you're interested in any of that. Matthew, how can people uh, quote 19th century French philosophers at you on the internet? Happens more often than you think. 
It, w- it wouldn't surprise me. You've yeah. got the facial hair for it. True. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z on all the social medias. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the various things that I make. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews, including the live action goes in the show. Ah. I gave it a two out of five. Yeah, yeah, um, fair. Yeah. Um, uh, you can also tune into Sumo Drop, my sumo wrestling podcast. Uh, you can search for that as Sumo Drop Pod on Twitter and uh, catch up on all the things that I do and bang on about. Uh, it's very, very anime at the minute because... Golden Camry's back and Spy Family's back and Chainsaw Man's just started and it's just it's all popping off, baby. And I've just started Jujutsu Kaisen, so it's like lots of things. But uh Yeah. Tim. Uh oh, I do an, a little segue, don't I? You do, yeah. Tim, if your consciousness Uh-oh. was merged with the consciousness of another, a being younger than time itself, but older than the consciousness of our own beings, where could we find <laughs> it? <laughs> I have uploaded my brain to oh. twitter.com and boy do I regret it. <laughs> that can... explains why it's such a cesspit. Horny yeah. Tim my, and my brain and Twitter. <laughs> uh, yes, you can find me at trivia underscore lad on Twitter. That is where I occasionally talk about nonsense or just retweet cool things that you might be interested in. Well, we'll be back next week with I say this every time. Oh, Jesus Christ, for us what it is. It's, it's real different. Or is it? going to be about as much French philosophy <laughs> in <laughs> next episode as, as there was in this one. As ho- deeply introspective and uh, Erotic. challenging. And movie commentary. Yes, a commentary. Coming up soon. So for the next episode, you will get a movie commentary to go along with it. It's a doozy. It's, it's one of the ones I've been looking forward to discussing and dreading watching of this entire season. And I will leave it at that. I will give no more hints because people are getting far too good at guessing on the Discord. That's true. I give tiny little hints, and they're like, yeah, we know what that is. We've been talking about Ghost in the Shell. They're like, God damn it, shut the fuck up. It's a film. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's from the year... Now they're now that you piece of yeah. shit. It's from the 19... 19- yeah, we know. It's like, God damn it, you bastard. So I'll keep it vague. Maybe the most dreaded film of this entire season. We'll put it that way. Absolutely fucking is. Yeah. We'll be back from a pretty decent sequel. When all accounts for Innocence. Oh, to, yeah, no, instance is a frustrating to, movie, but it's not To this. the worst piece of garbage in season 11. Yeah. Coming up next week. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely week. 